Hi everybody, welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 74. I am your host, back in the basement to discuss a week of wrestling, along with my co-host and teenage son, Jackson. Say hello, Jack. Hi. All right, now you gotta be careful. You cannot spoil anything. However, you and a group of your friends who invaded my home yesterday after school and we fed pizza and wings went to a rather important film, I'm being told. So tell us what you think of it. Do not reveal any spoilers or people will hunt you down, probably because spoilers are the worst thing well, ever, if apparently. if you like Marvel and you haven't seen it already, then I don't know what you're doing. Well, but... not everyone goes on the first and second day that it exists, man. So just be careful, but obviously you really enjoyed it, you told me. No, it was probably like the best superhero movie Oh, really? Ever. Is it, it your favorite just... one now? I don't know if it's my favorite. It's, it definitely ranks out there because I don't know. It might be the best but it's also very different at the same time yeah um because i feel like it's a lot of, like some of its fan service and whatnot yes um which i would on miss obviously cer- just based on certain cameos and whatnot um but it, it was really good it's probably one of the best marvel movies good. it's not the best definitely the best spider-man movie not much better ever. than when you something is hyped and you're anticipating and it's actually delivers right that is right. A very nice yeah feeling. it was it was awesome um i don't know i'm not sure if it's my favorite i'll probably have to watch it again which i will tomorrow so. You're, wa- you're watching it again tomorrow? Yes. Who are you going with tomorrow? Uh, just Ryan. Just Ryan H? Yes. Nice. Um, um, what time yeah. is that? I forget about I don't know. Probably these. same time again. Okay. Um, so you said people were like lots of live reactions in the theater. Crowd was into it. Yeah. Very good. Happy day. Also sad day, but I need to talk about that part. No, you can't talk about any details. So I, you're, on your no, recommendation, not I am not a, I'm not a superhero movie guy at all, but it, I said when it comes out on, what it'll be on Disney, I guess, Disney Plus. I'll probably watch it with you if you're telling me that's good. It's that good. I'll check it out with you. Yeah. Uh, and then what else is going on? Today we have like an early Christmas get together with, I guess we call it the Korean side of the family, right? So mom's... Not even like the full of it though, right? No. So we're back into the Omicron variant is picking up steam around here. So we're into like over 3,000 cases a day in Ontario. So they're just going to be imposing some more restrictions tomorrow actually tomorrow morning i think it is so we're back to like indoor gatherings capped at 10 i think so we're just hitting that 10 today when we go to your grandfather's place and your aunt and uncles will be there and the dogs will be there so going back i think the restaurants and things are going to be at 50 percent capacity i think bars and stuff have to close at like 10 p.m so we seem to be taking a step back with this variant unfortunately um Hoping that after this winter yeah. break, we're not going back to online school. But it's I feel so like... weird how like things are. I feel like it was like a good stretch. It was. Now. And then we get another variant. Right. So I don't know. I'm reading conflicting things, but it seems to be that this variant is more contagious, but less dangerous. So um, more people will it get like it. It's but... been going on forever. It's right. It been really like has. Only like two years maybe going on well we like started a... this pod because we were basically locked down at home right and that right. was 74 weeks ago so we're still here doing and it and the, the the you could date the pandemic to even before that yes because we were like we were already in it and we were just had a lot of time and thought why not try this i'd always right. wanted to try it so we started doing it mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know it's going to be interesting to see how will you feel if you have to go back to online school i don't think you care that much but i'm not too thrilled but because you've just gotten used to being back to school and you're enjoying high school and you're doing well in high school. Yeah, but um, 
don't know. I don't hate it that that much. No. And some people are gone, so it doesn't really make a difference for me. Right. You're a strong, independent learner, right? So of anybody that's going to be okay online, um, you are. I just worry for a lot of the other students who aren't quite so capable, need a, a lot more help with their learning. It's not the best situation for anyone. Yeah, but, but then at least I can get my gym teacher off my back, That's right. right. He is a, he is just a troublemaker, isn't mm-hmm. he? Big problems. We'll have to make some formal complaints. Yes. Go after his job. Yeah. <laughs> you should take his job. I should. <laughs> Would that be an improvement? Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but anyways, anything else you wanted to banter about? I know you wanted to talk about that film, so we got that out of the yeah. way. Oh, I got a new Damien Priest last oh, week. Oh, that's I think, right. I think it was like Sunday, so I probably didn't talk about it. I don't but think so. But so I got that. I got three of those Marvel blind bag Lego things. Yep. And then at Costco, they had a mega pack of three Lego sets. Oh, right. One of those weird collector things where it's like each of the sets is still in their original box, but they're packed in yep. one bigger box. Good old Costco. So it's kind of funny. It's like it was like twenty bucks for like three fifteen dollar sets. So we did the classic Costco move. Went in for bacon, came out with twenty things because yeah. that it is impossible to just go get what you need at Costco. But yeah, Toys R Us they had like I think most of the Lee eighty nine. I think all of it they had like there was Nia Jax, um, Iraqi sympathizer which you obviously shirt. snapped up right, right away. Um, I actually got two. There was two of them. So Could I got be a both collector's item now that she's gone. I don't know. <laughs> There's Iraqi sympathizer, Sergeant Slaughter. And ironically, <laughs> Elite uh, 76, uh, Colonel Mustafa as well. The term Iraqi sympathizer <laughs> makes me laugh every time. Because it's such a WWE yeah. like, adjective. Um, There's also Drew McIntyre. And oh, I'm gapping on the other ones. But then there's also Damien Priest. And I don't have Damien Priest. And it looks really nice. So I got it. Like they got nice sculpting on whatever. It's and it's like the it is nice. first series where I think it's every right one of them has double jointed elbows. It's on the so. table with us, folks. Not a video pod, but trust me, Damien Priest is here. Yeah. Standing on so, the table. Yeah, it's cool. And, and then you saw the, the, an entire line of AEW figures somewhere, right? right? Local oh, Walmart. I forgot to mention, yes, my local Walmart now has AEW Unrivaled Series 5, which is awesome because they have the long tights hangman, which I really want just because the first one I got, it's fine, but it's got clown feet. You, I, you do not like when they have issues with their feet and ankles. Yes. Like, they're just, like, freaking clown shoes. And just, I feel like the legs... I just feel like the other one will work better. Yeah. And they also had Jurassic Express, which is really nice. Right. Um, they had SCU, which I did temporarily have Kaz, but we all know how that ended. Oh, right. He sna- his leg snapped off, right? Yeah. But then mm-hmm. they also had Scorpio Sky. And then they also seemed to have, like, a bit of a restock on Series 4. Yep. Because, like, they used to have, like, one pair of Santana Ortiz, and now they have, like... I would say maybe three pairs of them, which is good because I, I really want to get them. So yep. like the better, the more quantity, I guess, the better chances I have for them to still be there. Um, I definitely didn't hide some of them. <laughs> definitely not. No. So if you I get some Christmas that. money, you're going back to the store to find things. Yeah. And it's, it's nice because it's where we get stuff there. Yeah. But now we're only like, I would a two say minute walk a couple series behind. Well, sorry, maybe like five or six minute walk. Yeah. But here. it's nice like because we don't usually get the best stock in terms of wrestling figures here. And like, when they do come to our town, I also think it is far less likely that people are searching for them there and coming as like toy hunts. You know what I mean? Because we're right. kind of out of the way up here. Right. So. Yeah, and then, like, I find, like, we usually get, like, some good stock every, like, like not often. Right. Although, I feel like it wasn't too long ago when we got Series 4, so I think this, it's been pretty good. And it makes sense right they now. stock up for the holidays, right? They're hoping yeah. to sell a lot of stuff. Yeah. All right, I don't really have anything exciting to discuss. I'm just happy to have the, the winter break, the Christmas break, whatever, holiday break, whatever you want to call it. It's here. I'm happy about it. Should we get into talking about some wrestling? Yes. All right. So let's 
start off uh, looking at the week's wrestling news and rumors. And I'm going to start out with the ratings again and looking at NXT 2.0, first of all, which you did not watch, but I did. And I'll talk I about... I refuse to watch it. They don't do. deserve it. I'll talk about it quickly in any other wrestling business a bit later. It was a pretty standard 2.0 show. I'll say that much now, which is that a good thing or a bad thing? If you it's listen bad. to us, you know that's not a good thing. But anyways, it earned a 561,000 viewers. Um, would you say that's slightly up or slightly down? What's the trend been? Down because it's garbage. Slightly down 4.91% and earned a 0.14 in the 18 to 49 demographic, which is up a lot for them, 27.27 or 27.27, I guess, technically. And uh, that NXT was the lowest audience since the show was rebranded to NXT 2.0 in mid-September. And I think that's breaking last week's record low. So as they keep sort of slightly dipping in overall numbers they're breaking their own records every week so that's wait nope they're bad records so that's not a good thing like congratulations another new record for wwe <laughs> watch wwe's new record-breaking show nxt 2.0 <laughs> that is how they would spin it 100 percent breaking records every week um in contrast wednesday's live winter is coming edition of aew dynamite winter has come i well, i hope actually you said it was it's gonna snow today right? it's a, we're supposed to get a lot of snow so yeah. that show featured the Paige danielson it did opener question mark <laughs> that drew nine hundred forty-eight thousand viewers which is up 8.72 percent and earned a 0.31 in the 18 to 49 demographic which is down slightly at 6.1 percent so it's the second best viewership since Dynamite began arriving um, on the West Coast. It seems to be a point where they started really comparing things. So that was in October of 27. So we're not getting the uh, 1.3 million viewers they got a few weeks there, but getting inching back up towards a million for what was, a, I mean, a specialty show, right? Winter is coming, yep. I would suggest. One of their so, TV specials, I would say, yeah. Right. So Whatever I mean, has like a title on it. So slight decline for NXT, which is normal, and a slight uptick for Dynamite, which makes sense being a specialty show. What do you have for us? Um, to keep on the AEW train, they on Rampage they confirmed the women's some uh, women's and men's tournament for the Owen Hart Foundation. So basically, Owen yes. Hart Cup tournaments. Um, those will be starting in May twenty twenty two. The graphic also has a double nothing logo, so I assume that's when the, the finals will conclude. Yeah, that seems to be the yeah. case. But so that's cool. Yeah. Um, and again, I asked if I had this in last week's and we didn't think so that hook, good old hook, AEW's hook is officially the first person to outsell CM Punk on pro wrestling tees since late August. I apologize because I feel like I read that one last week, but I could be wrong. I feel like it's possible, but I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. And people definitely love hook. I kind of am fascinated by hook and I was very impressed with his first match and his second one will be coming up. So considering that that was i think actually his first match anywhere in terms of televised he was pretty impressive so already better than you know 90 percent of the people on nxt 2.0 at this point <laughs> <laughs> anything else um kevin owens resigned wwe he surprisingly did. a little bit surprisingly i kind of read his thoughts it's like kind of what's best for his family he's sort of like established there and he has a routine and every, you know what i mean he just kind of knows how everything works so i get it um a little disappointed because i love him and I would be interested to see what AEW did with him. But they also, again, I keep saying it, they have to stop signing everybody at some point, right? So you don't have room for everyone. So as yeah, long which as is why they should get rid of Sting. He, Kevin Owens is a really smart guy. And if he says this is the best decision for him and his family, I tend to believe him. So I'm happy for him. I mean, 
selfishly, I'm not happy for me because I don't watch that product, so I won't see him and I like him. But um, anyways, good for him, I guess. So Tony Khan I had, I don't know if you saw this, he lashes out at Fox I News saw. over some commentary they made on ratings. So it was basically Fox published an opinion piece where the general thing, they were criticizing AEW um, and the Jacksonville Jaguars because they're owned by the Khan family as well. And basically the idea was that are the, they afraid they're going to get conned? The, uh, the con family had a, is having a rough December so far. And they talked about... How so? The Jaguars are an awful football team, which they are. And they've also had some controversy with their head coach who that just led to him being fired. And then they sort of included the AEW's ratings have been dropping uh, from over a million viewers despite making several big signings, right? Punk, Danielson, Adam Cole... So sort of they were saying, well, there was a peak when Punk kind of got there and now they're dropping off in the, the first half of December. So it's been a rough month for them. So Tony Khan, I thought was interesting. And again, Fox has a contract with WWE, right? So would it, that be in their interest to sort of take shots at AEW, I guess? Because they are on Fox, uh, right? Oh, they are. Right. SmackDown is on Fox. So I think that's why Khan got a little fired up because he would suggest maybe their reporting is a little bit biased in this case, right? So... His first reply was, hey, at Fox News, it's amusing hearing your opinion about AEW ratings considering AEW Dynamite on Wednesday has beaten, capitals, every single Fox News show for six weeks straight. Here are the recent charts, including this week to prove it. See you tonight. Um, and then he followed that up with, thanks, Fox News. I appreciate that you've highlighted AEW's ratings when AEW Dynamite on Wednesdays has beaten every single show on your network for six weeks straight. Here are a few more charts. Twitter only let me attach four weeks worth to my last tweet. See you tonight. So basically saying, flipping it and saying, sure, our ratings might be going down a little bit, but guess what? We're still beating everything that you're producing and putting out yourselves kind of thing, including your news programs. Um, so obviously a, a kind of interesting response right the fact that he had to respond at all but sort of respi responded with some fiery tweets uh, making some interesting points so i thought that was kind of fun what else do yeah, you have from him um in aw it's yet to be confirmed but has reportedly signed brody king i saw it something. certainly looks like based off of this week's dynamite right that that is what is coming um, I think he was, I personally, I think he was not the only person teased for next week, but I'll get into that. Right. Cause Malachi even makes reference to a King at some point, right at the end of his promo. Most, so most I, times, yeah. I think it's pretty clear that he's coming. And again, AEW has a history of actually delivering on what people think is coming instead of just like not doing it for the sake of whatever they actually follow through on stuff. So I imagine he is coming, which is cool. Cause he's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. um did you see the interaction between darby allen and cora jade i did i read about it yeah trading some shots the tweets have now been deleted but the initial tweet came from darby allen there was a video of him i think skating at a local skate park with the tweet uh skating is a huge part of my life not a fake character for tv lol uh, obviously sort of directed at cora jade as we talk about she can barely ride a skateboard she for cannot. 10 feet but she replied, so I feel like he fired a shot and then she sort of dropped a nuke on him, right? But she escalated it by saying, being a good person with no abuse allegations against me is a huge part of my life and not just the character I play on TV. So there are some accusations of Darby Allen. I don't really know what came of them because I did go back and go, really? Was he part of the Me Too thing? Uh, he was. Speaking out. Um, yeah, sorry, speaking out. So he was. So um, 
a pretty major shot fired by Cora Jade there, and then both of them, as I said, have deleted their tweets since then. <laughs> you could say that about like every wrestling Twitter beef that's ever existed. Right. <laughs> uh, anything else for you? I have a couple more stories, but uh, nope. Nope. Okay. All you. The other one is, or my second last one, I guess, is Victor of the Ascension. Um, what is it? Rick Victor was his name, I think. Oh, is it the Neville thing? Yeah. Yes, I saw that. He re- he recalls AEW's pack nearly quitting um, after, or just before, I guess, his WWE main roster debut. So Victor was talking about how WWE botched the presentation of the Ascension and several other acts uh, due to WWE's compulsion to, like, repackage or tweak people who have already been successful that was what he was saying right like why did we work our butts off in nxt to sort of develop this character and do really well and then get called up and basically because that's how the world works right that's how it works there so he provided one very specific example quote i'll never forget watching neville walk into the locker room with the cape and one of the dumbest masks i've ever seen in my life we were like what the f is this he almost quit that day so the mask never actually made it to TV, right? But the cape stayed for a while. So it was just right away. Oh like... my god, I, rem- I remember because um, remember the elite with the big purple cape. Yes. <laughs> and it was almost like I could see Vince going, "This guy is not like he. Look at that face. We can't put that on TV." I don't right? even understand what his character really was when he was babyface. Now that I'm like looking back i like, think they were just like look at his move set good enough he's a baby face like how could we not have right it was like his nickname was the man that gravity forgot right which i think was a pretty I think good that's nickname cool actually yeah. but i don't know i just i'm now i'm struggling like because the king of the cruiserweight stick was awesome yes but then like before that i'm really like i don't remember a guy that i never thought could be an effective heel is just an amazing heel it turns <laughs> out right yes um the last thing i have is that tony khan made a comment sort of about further plans for Hangman and Brian Danielson. So he said, quote, I'll be honest, I'm excited for what's coming next between Hangman Page and Brian Danielson. It's far from over, and I'll tell you this, Brian Danielson is still the number one contender. It's a rematch I'm very excited to see. I would agree with that. I am on board for a rematch, a couple rematches, a series, whatever you want to do. Why I'm here people for didn't ask because I can't hear them? Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Coming right up. So that does bring me to the end of my news. So let's move into that. And, and we'll be talking about that match a little bit quicker than you expected to, right? Yeah, for so sure. Let's do that now as we transition to talking about this week's AEW Dynamite. We kick off the show with Brian Danielson versus Hangman Adam Page for the AEW World Championship in what I have titled an hour-long epic between a cowboy and a vegan. So my first note was, wow, is Jack mad about the placement of this match? I just thought, I think it's a really odd choice for an opener. It I'm is, dis- and it kind of a little bit telegraphed the finish yeah, for me. Yeah, but I still think that could have worked as a main event. I don't think that really needed to push it to the beginning i just think they Especially worried about leaving ending. crowds not so satisfied with the finish so they played it safe and put it yeah. first right I um know. i'm kind of disappointed it's going first though just because the big fight feel is here i don't think it really warrants like i feel like it just it deserves to go on last or at least like the last match if they have something planned which i was really pulling out for today, yeah and, and honestly I, it did not happen. the finish doesn't bother me and it could have still main evented any show almost ever for me right um regardless of the finish but i i, I don't care and about both it. Of, 
Maybe the time concerns also they needed to get it in the first hour. I don't know, right? There could have been factors. It does seem strange. Um, Both of them were wearing some pretty nice attires. And let me just say, I would not be disappointed if they get two-pack from this match. Hangman's always got some pretty nice stuff. Brian was looking particularly nice in that mostly white gear. Like, you can never really go wrong there. Um, some notables from the match where there was, like, a lengthy collar and elbow tie-up at the beginning, and then shortly after, some holds and counters. Uh, more holds and counters until Hangman catches a leapfrog into a body slam. A uh, surfboard stretch into kind of, like, a modified dragon sleeper from that position by Brian until he releases, because it's a pretty, like, back stretch. Like, he's stretching Yeah, backwards. and it felt like a lot of, like, mind games and stuff by Danielson early, and the little facial expressions he gives are so great now. Like, the smug little grins and things that he, he gives, I thought was an awesome start to this. Mm-hmm. Um, Hangman does, like, those crowd count punches in the corner after a suplex stalemate back uh, them into the corner uh cross leg hold by brian i don't know what it was called but he, he kicks at the leg and then he shifts so then you can kind of kind of punch at the gut of hangman which yeah. i thought was interesting um brian blocks a buckshot but um hangman cuts off a dive attempt with a big boot followed by his springboard clothesline uh to brian who was on the apron and then a slingshot plancha to the outside um, Brian catches a dive with a gut kick and then continues to go after the midsection of Paige with various knees and then other moves. And then he hits that like Nyla Rose knee drop with Hangman over the middle yeah. rope, though. I love it. It's whatever mistake Paige makes, D- Danielson will capitalize on it and then target that, right? So, oh, you came off the ropes and I kicked you in the gut. Time to focus on your gut for a while with a variety of stuff, right? Until he finds some other mistake that Paige makes. It's such a cool story right. he's telling. Yeah, and that garnered a two-count uh, springboard clothesline by Hangman Well, with Brian seated on the top rope, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, Hangman misses a moonsault, and then Brian rolls him up with a Mahi Stroll cradle for two. Um, Hangman goes for a dive to the outside, but Brian shoves him. Aliens back first on the apron, which he, like, somersaults on the apron, and then yeah. just takes a big bump. It was. And then a running knee from the apron by Brian then just targets the face with, or targets Hangman's open wound with more punches. Right. Um, a German suplex for two, and then Brian uh, transitions into cattle mutilation, but Hangman is able to get a rope break. Um, he delivers chest kicks to Hangman on the apron, but misses the last one and connects with the ring post instead, and Hangman takes advantage of that. A figure four leg lock by Hangman until Brian gets a rope break. Um, later on, a tombstone pile driver for two by Hangman. Uh, diving near the arm and a regal plex for two by Danielson. An avalanche back suplex by Brian for another two count. Um, Hangman was able to catch a counter a gotch pile driver from Brian and hits a dead eye on the apron. Yeah. Um, he flipped out of an avalanche back suplex and hit a big discus lariat. Um, they kind of get into a strike exchange uh, shortly after, and then Hangman counters the running knee into a dead eye for a near fall, and there's around five minutes left at this point. Hangman hits Brian with the wrist trap stomps after Brian, um, kind of already had, um, so he kind of uses his own move on him. A big clothesline by Hangman after Danielson skins the cat back in. He kind of got sent out, then skins the cat back in. And Hangman is able to nail the buckshot, but that is when the time runs out before he can make the pin. Right, so we get a 60-minute draw in this match. Um, I mean, I thought this match was incredible. They're just I'm not surprised the full 60 minutes. Again, the finish doesn't bother me. I loved the early story of Danielson. He's basically trying to irritate Hangman Page into resorting to basically becoming a brawler. I think the idea is that... Because that benefits Brian, because right. then he can kind of exploit it. Right, and Paige is more likely to make a mistake if he gets upset and just wants to brawl, and then Danielson is the master of capitalizing on such mistakes, which he did right after, like I was saying, Paige came off the top and took a kick to the stomach, 
and then his stomach is then targeted. Uh, Danielson is just an amazing storyteller, and everything he does kind of makes sense, along with those little sarcastic or wry or whatever smiles he gives throughout the match are awesome. Paige then gets to play the role of the vulnerable but resilient champion, right? And the crowd just eats that up. Um, Paige is just about the perfect combination of all styles, right? He can do pretty much whatever you want him to do in the ring and can work with anyone. So this match built as it went. Uh, Danielson just got more vicious, which made all of Paige's inevitable comebacks all the more satisfying, right? Um, just an awesome dynamic between these two. A great match. Both men, I think, come away looking super strong. And sure, I mean... There's people going to be critical of Paige not winning decisively in this... Is this his first title defense, right? Um, yep. In his first title defense. But it's one of the best wrestlers in the world in Brian Danielson on an unbelievable run in AEW. So I don't have a problem with it. Danielson's like your relentless violent heel, which is kind of almost weird to say, right? Because it's not something I would have expected. I haven't, I haven't seen that in a while. Even him. then, this is different. And Paige is just the ever-resilient, beloved, babyface champion... The finish doesn't bother me only because it is Danielson and, and the run he's on right now. Just an amazing start. And I guess I had to add middle of this show because it did go for the full hour, right? Yes, yeah, so it was like the entirety of the first half of the show. An absolutely unbelievable match. And for me, they just snuck a match of the year contender, contender sorry, just under the wire, right? Mid-December. And we're going to get, it's at least going to be in my... Nominations it's, it's for, a high consideration and it could for me. possibly win so just I've, fantastic stuff. i've kind of already made my pick for it but i think it's like a very i'm i'm not sure if i'll go with it but i, I think it's like a very close it's in the running deserves consideration we'll say right absolutely yes um what a match this was it takes two very special talents to wrestle full an hour not only that but wrestle an entertaining and not full feel hour. like an hour right and yeah it didn't feel like an hour and in a match the year candidate for a full hour and without a winner I think it was a bold choice to do this since they did this with Omega versus Danielson not too long ago. But this one actually made me disappointed because I really wanted to win for Hangman so bad, which is maybe a good thing because I think they made you really want it, you know? Yes. Um, I think Danielson versus Omega may have done the time limit draw better. Like, I feel like this was different because it was an hour, but I feel like the Danielson Omega one just worked a little better for me because I feel like Omega and Danielson will always be considered two of the best. Like, yes. Hangman's awesome, but yep. I feel like Omega and Danielson are always in the best of the world. Like, Can't, generational um, talent sort of deal. Right. Yeah. So, I feel like that one just really felt a little more earned. But what a great match this was. And I mean, like, great. A rematch would be welcome anytime. A close match is your candidate for me. Um, with at least Omega versus Danielson. And then I would say that cage match from All Out. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of close. Those are, like, my close three. Yeah. So... I thought a little thing this match did better with the time limit draw than the previous one was the commentary finding ways to point out how long it's been going. I don't think they super telegraphed it, but they would be like, these men have been battling for 40 minutes, right? So they're just sort of time stamping it for us, which I thought they didn't do as great a job with the Omega match. And you want to know what? So the only adult person I know that I can talk wrestling to um, is... I've told you this, right? Marco Sr. From, right. from your brother's basketball team. So when I see him at the basketball practices, I asked him, like, what'd you think of the um, Danielson page match? And you know what he said? Mm. Too long. I had to skip a whole bunch of it throughout. So what? there's a very different opinion. He just, he doesn't want to watch a 60 minute wrestling match. So he said he kept skipping forward a few minutes and seeing, oh my God, it's still going. And I was like, wow, right? Like, because I don't know him well enough to be like, are you crazy? Like, what are you talking? 
Because obviously yeah. people can have different opinions. One of the most entertaining like single hours of my life. But his opinion was just like it was too much. I kept skipping and it was still going on, and I was like, interesting, right? So, because I honestly don't interact with adult. You're the person I talk wrestling with a hundred percent of the ah, time. Sucks to say. And we tend to agree on things, right? So it's interesting to hear someone's very different perspective out in the real world. Definitely. Yeah. Um. Moving on from that monstrosity, we get a super quick and Bobby Fish promo. Sorry, Bobby Fish, but you're technically not in the super quick. What's with the kazoo Christmas music underneath this? I found it super I don't know. annoying. I totally forgot. I did so. not like. I, that's one of my only notes about this was hating the kazoo music underneath. Uh, I totally forgot. Right. Um, Cole asks when the best friends will learn not to mess with them. He recaps last week when the Bucks dominated and they beat him down again on Rampage. The um, I think he said like the full force best friends or something because Trent was um, back at that point like after his return last week. Um, Fish says whenever this happens they divide and conquer. Nick suggests an eight man tag and Cole says that would work on Rampage. Uh, Matt says why don't they also destroy the van and Cole says he has a present for them but they'll wait until next week. Matt says Merry Christmas you filthy animals. I understood that reference. Nice reference. And of course Nick Jackson has to do a caca. Yes. Uh, I thought this was pretty generic by these guys' standards, I, and I still feel like the best friends are beneath this group, but I guess they had to find something to do. I guess we're getting some sort of surprise next week, which is something, maybe a new arrival, or I don't know. If they're saying there's a surprise, it's probably going to be something a little bit interesting, but I didn't think this was amazing. It was fine. Um. Yeah, I thought it was a solid promo. I would much rather a nice eight-man tag match on Dynamite, but oh well, I guess they're going to throw it away on Rampage and also a ten-man tag for we some We just reason. don't seem to find the time for Rampage, eh? Yeah, like I would, but it's just like, yeah, I think it's just the it's time. It's late on Friday in. night, then we get up in the morning and record this, right? So it's a little bit cramped for us to get it in there. And then I don't want to throw it in a week late, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it just kind of slips by and me I, a lot. I guess I'm a little interested to see what Cole has in store. And then I thought of the perfect scenario. There we go. Fantasy which, book it, go. And it doesn't even seem, like, too crazy, right? Because I'm thinking that this is... It's going to be O'Reilly. It's the perfect way to introduce him. I think, like... I think this is him and Bobby ditching the Bucks. And then... That's what I want. Maybe Cole also joins them. And then the Bucks fight them. That'd be fun. Cole stays with the Bucks, I think. No, that's dumb. Because he's got longer, deeper roots with them sort of thing. And maybe that could be part of what... Fish and O'Reilly don't like. Yeah, he was with, back with them in like Japan and whatnot, was he not? Yeah. Before but, he ever got to NXT. But he was in NXT for a while. He was. Anyways, something right. cool could come out of it for sure. If you had to ask me on the Speed Era super quick, I would say on the Speed Era every time. Yeah. Also, I saw this thing from the original War Games match. There was like nine people, right? Like Sanity on the Speed Era, Roderick Strong, and AOP. Roderick Strong's the only one left in NXT. I saw Killian Dane's new people. look. Speaking of Sanity, mm. interesting. I think really? he, yeah, he's he got short, short hair, yeah. Oh. Yeah, bald, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I forget what his name is. It's like Damo or... Damo, it was Damo before he came to WWE, so I don't know if he went I, back I, to that. I, yeah, Big Damo? Yeah, I don't know if that's how you say it, but it Damo is. or No, whatever. it's Damo. Okay. Almost positive. Yeah. Um. Next, we have Wardlow versus Matt Seidel in a squash. Wardlow catches yeah. Black Lariat, hits a powerbomb, two more powerbombs for Wardlow for the win, and then Spears beats on Seidel with the chair. Because Seidel's usually the guy that, you know, has a good showing but loses. Right, so they switched right. it up and went, and you're Spears dying. And Spears says MJF needs Wardlow to grab some champagne for his victory celebration because he did get a call from MJF. And I thought this was really weird because he's never been pushed in or anything, but he always gets, like, a good showing. I thought this was, like, not bad treatment, but just, like, not great con- like for his standards even you know and maybe it's just to change things up so that we don't 
see Matt Seidel and go, oh, here comes another competitive match that he loses. They actually switched it up. A couple things did bug me about this, though, like, and I'm it's kind of nitpicking, but why does Sean Spears need a microphone to talk to Wardlow, who's eight feet in front of him, right? Like, that's, I mean, I get it because we want the crowd to hear it, but I would have rather he just yells really loudly and it's picked up on, like, the mics that are there, whatever they're called, I don't know the right term, but him grabbing a microphone to specifically talk to a guy that's right there beside him was interesting. And then my po other point, which I, I left it in my notes even after seeing what happened, is why does the guy who's recently been beaten, defeated men with chairs after the match suddenly have an issue with a couple extra power bombs, right? Because I'm like, this doesn't make sense. He's yelling at Spears. To make him look strong. And then I was like, oh, never mind. Now it's funny because Spears grabbed a chair and hit him with it as well, right? So, <laughs> yeah. like, why did you need to powerbomb him more? But I'm still going to wail on him with the chair anyway. I anyways. thought it was funnier last week, but I still thought that was funny. The, yeah, the multiple powerbombs thing is getting a little repetitive. It just doesn't work for a great finish. And I think that it feels like there's sort of... It's not giving me much confidence in Wardlow, like, when he does turn on MJF. And I like that corner boot thing that he was doing. I thought Even that then, looked like, cool. I, I don't like that as a finisher either, but I thought it was, like, a good move in his repertoire. Yeah, and it feels like they're sort of, get again, getting closer to pulling the trigger on the MJF Wardlow disintegration, but... I don't know if now's the time because MJF kind of has bigger fish to fry. I feel like he's like top of the card right now. So I, I don't know. We'll see where they go with it, I guess. But this was just a squash match. Nothing special. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I would say less than a minute. Oh, NXT 2.0 match. It was pretty <laughs> much. Um, Next we get a Ty Conti penalty forward package. Conti says she is sick of Ford running her mouth and teeing with the brass knucks and challenges her to, of all things, a submission match. Ford says she has a Muda lock and has tapped on many people with it and will still win. Conti says something I didn't quite catch. So it kind of seems to be the standard length and tone for these quick build mid-card women's matches promos, right? Like that they were doing for the, the tournament and whatnot. So I thought it was fine. Conti's definitely improved in all aspects of pro wrestling because her promos are better as well. I don't know what qualifies Penelope Ford to be in a submission match. She has one submission. She has one submission. So maybe she's going to be... Going back to that well a million times in this match, I this isn't a match I'm super excited about because it's it's no offense Penelope Ford is just kind of there for me and she's like the just almost enhancement. Ha! And you thought she was gonna be better than Kip Sabian? Well, she is way Sucks better because she actually has a contract and is on TV. Well, he's injured. That's not his fault. <laughs> Still, but anyways, I I don't know. I'm sure this is just a vehicle for Conti to pick up a somewhat quality win, and it might be a fine match, but I'm not. Convinced. I'm just kind of mad because, like, for the first AW submission match, they go with Penelope Ford versus Ty Conti. Conti doesn't really use submission. She's more like the judo, judo and whatnot. And, and Ford yeah. only uses a submission finisher, so I hardly call, hardly call either of them a submission expert. Whereas, literally last week, I was saying it should have been D versus Sheeta in a submission match. Yeah. D uses literally a thousand different holds or submissions. And she is like a Japanese wrestler where, like, that's kind of part of their thing right so she could also do that and that that feud just made for a submission match so i really improved, don't understand why it's it may have improved what we got this week from them yeah. frankly um next we get uh malachi black segment and he kept talking about that house being bigger than you and then he says the house always wins i'm kind of like shortening it here yes and he tells somebody in a in a, like a hood or whatever who's kind of like kneeling in front of that them or they something. are so much more than a king right so he's talking about building a house reference to the house of black and then talking about someone being more than a king who, and I think they were trying to make whoever it was look smaller than they actually are because Brody King is a monster of a man. So 
I imagine this is Brody King, as we were kind of talking about earlier. Um, can't be sure since this is a cryptic Malachi Black promo, but it's it looked and sounded cool. Uh, Black and King would be a devastating combination. Do you think it's possible that Julia Hart joins them? The House of Black? Yeah, like one of these, if he spits mist in your face, you start to like transform and join his well, path. crew. Well, I don't know, we're starting it now. I don't know, we don't have to go back that far. Or is um, that just a way to have them, him and Brody King, are just going to destroy the Varsity Blondes as their first thing, probably, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Would make sense, I guess. Okay. I don't know. I'm uh, interested, Is there though. anyone like else that would fit that group? I'm just trying to think if there's... House of Black? I'm yeah. sure they'll find somebody. Not, I, I would like it to be Black, the ringleader, and then maybe Brody King. Like, I'm fine with him and Black teaming for now. Yeah. But I would like Brody King and someone else to form a tag team, and yeah. then Black still kind of does his own thing. Or, like, Trios Championships. I'm excited to see Brody King wrestling in AEW and the AEW style and stuff. He is, he's really good. Yeah. And he has a crazy look. I don't know if he's going to... fuels those rumors. If he's going to be wearing the, like, balaclava he wears to the ring and stuff, but he looks super intimidating when he makes his way to the ring, at least in ROH he did. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. ROH. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, now, uh, now what's Taylor Russ going to do? I never That's did watch Final Battle. Concern. I read a bunch of reviews that were like, there were some good matches, but it looked like overall it was just kind of like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't go back and um, watch it. I thought it was pretty cool. It definitely didn't sound like Black's voice for the most part, which was really weird. You were like, is that his voice or not sort of thing? I couldn't really tell. I feel like it would have been him speaking, but didn't see um it didn't seem like him and there's a lot of use of the word king and could be referring to someone so i mean i'm really excited to see kenny king in AEW. you know no thank you (laughs) jerry the king lawler (laughs) (laughs) yes wait no eddie kingston maybe or um king booker no i was thinking he maybe his mist can bring people back from the dead and it's like uh why can't i remember his name there you go harley race that's the name i was looking for yeah yeah, there's some some a King Haku. King Haku was awesome. I'd be <laughs> down for that. <laughs> um, next we get Akashi versus Serena Deeb in an underwhelming grudge match. Uh, that's funny you say that. That's pretty much my exact was would be underwhelming. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that yeah. after. Um, an interesting leg submission by Deeb early on until she gets a rope break. Uh, figure four around the post. Uh, by Deeb for the five count. Shades of Bret Hart. Um, relentless strikes by Sheeta until she has to break off. A Tree of Woe Achilles Lock, I think it was, by Deeb, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Stack Powerbomb for two by Deeb. Uh, spinning Neckbreakers, but she counters the third into a Falcon Arrow. Deeb counters a pin into a Half Crab, and the finish comes when Deeb gets in into a, a sort of exposed turnbuckle. Yes. Didn't even fully expose it. Right. Um, and then she rolls her up with a Jackknife pin. Yeah, so my prediction of this, you know, stealing the show from Danielson... And uh, Paige was definitely right, right? This was considerably better than the opening 60-minute draw. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so I was really, really looking forward to this match because these two have had two matches that I pretty much loved. Uh, yeah. I- I think this was the worst of the three, right? It, it was a real letdown because it, it felt underwhelming and just it felt short of expectations and Oh, while I'm on that, it just felt short. And I don't I don't think the match was bad because there were some cool moves in here, but I agree, it felt incredibly short. I went it back It felt and, like really I don't know if like sped up. Like it's like almost you like like doubled the speed of like. They one had of the to other compress like, it because the first match was sixty minutes or something, right? But yeah, I, I went back and looked. So it got twelve minutes, which isn't a if ton. If that's the case, I would like them to take out like I don't know I don't know if it's much time, but the squash match or like then maybe like put it to next week, I would say. If, yeah. Because that, that, that's, like, the Christmas version, so, like, the... Yeah. So, like, I feel like they could 
warranted on there. That's that's fair. I don't think this was bad, and I feel like Deeb is kind of similar to Brian Danielson, and I'm trying to give her a huge compliment here because she is an amazing technical wrestler. She makes everybody else look good, and I think she's a better heel than I thought she would be, much like Danielson is a better heel than I thought he would be as well. So I thought, like you're saying, it was good, but it felt incredibly short, and the finish kind of came out of nowhere and surprised me a little bit. I wanted this to be my favorite in the series of matches, but it wasn't. It was my least favorite. I think it felt like it needed more time to me, like you're saying as well. At the end of the day, it's still a good match, right? But I was expecting and hoping for it's like not a to their fantastic match, right? Right. Um, I think they need AEW in general needs to find ways to get some more women's matches on TV. I think we get one a week, and it's usually in the exact same time slot, right? And it, so that means it's usually you, not like the best if it's involving like Ford or right. Bunny it seems to be mid carders a lot, and yeah. It, so I think if we end up going weeks or months I think this without, was the only like prominent one that's been good, and yeah. I feel like this was kind of a damp squib of an ending. And it's just kind of like we go weeks or months without seeing some of the major women wrestle because they're only putting one match a week on. But anyway, like a good match, but definitely far below what I was hoping for. Right. It just wasn't long enough as the action was going fine until it ended and the finish just kind of felt lame and unbefitting of this feud. Um, Even though this was the tiebreaker match, I hope this isn't the end because this was a, not a great way to go out no i remember the finish happened and you and i just sort of turn and look at each other like that's how we finish this right. but anyways mm-hmm. not a bad match but not what i wanted um next we have varsity blondes interview now this show is in the a plus range here we go um garrison is not a happy little boy and he says uh julia hart isn't here and talks about what black did last week he says black may be intimidating but he's a coward and you'll bring the fight to him Pillman says this is what black wants and garrison says that was their sister and he asked whose side Pillman's on and he'll break black straw next week i find that highly unlikely i think griff garrison's <laughs> kind of stupid because he thinks he's gonna break malachi black straw when black's like a martial arts boy who's got a spinning heel kick as his finisher and he needs people in the face a lot. All true. Um, and then he's also going to have some big tattooed boy coming Hopefully. with him. Who's probably also going to break Garrison's jaw. So. Uh, I thought Garrison was actually pretty good here. He Yeah. The first part of this was mostly him summarizing what Black has done. Which is kind of annoying as a person who watches every week and generally remembers most things. But anyways. Then he got like more fired up for the second part. I thought he did a good job. Interesting little nugget, right? Pillman does not seem to be fully on board with this. So I don't know if they're teasing some dissension in the Varsity Blondes, but he seems less fired up about defending Julia Hart than Griff Garrison is. So I don't know where they're going with that, but I like the Um, little breadcrumb. Maybe they'll split up after they get their asses handed to them by the House of Black. I don't think they should split up. They're like the perfect little mid-card tag. No, they're a good tag team. I'm just saying if that's going to happen, the House of Black will beat them first. Probably. Uh, next we get an Eddie Kingston promo. Um, he After says, a recap of Hook's win on Rampage, come on, our boy Hook, mm. my boy Hook. You don't love him as much as I do. Hook is. I, don't know, I, I still haven't seen him yet. But the I match just, was honestly pretty good. Yeah, but I just don't like all the hype around him for doing nothing. I don't either, but I I'm getting a little bit caught up in it. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. There's something. About I mean, him. I I'll probably like him once he once he. Um, it's just this super cool him, but... without trying kind of thing, and I'm I'm here for it. But anyways, yeah, go ahead. I don't, think i feel like he is trying because he's like wearing like the tank top and he's like chewing gum or something like it's, i don't know i, I it works I for know. me um he said kingston says he is sick of the crap with garcia in 2.0 he says it will be him and lucha bros and i think he said santana ortiz which it yes. was which they just the played face paint too much now yeah like that's that was supposed to be special 
um, and Gar- against Garcia in 2.0 and whoever they got is going to be the acclaimed. Um, yeah, which they just show in the graphic. Yeah. Later. I don't even remember them which announcing I'm, it I'm okay with though because I like that. Yeah, me team. too. Apparently, the, the, the rap did get cut off by the baby faces, so oh. they're the most hated heels in the company now. Right. Uh, yeah, so I thought it should set up a fun match and anytime Eddie Kingston's talking, I'm happy. This wasn't one of his amazing I thought promos, it was interesting, but... though, because they already put an eight-man tag on Rampage. So they have an eight-man tag and a ten-man tag. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a lot of people. That is a lot of people. But yeah, the match should be fun, and Eddie Kingston's good on the mic, so this was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so next we come to the main event. Uh, MJ versus Dante Martin for the Diamond Diamond Ring. Yes, a match over a ring is uh, going over a world title match. Well, and a match over a ring where Dante Martin like set up people for weeks and then turned on them all and for a ring. Where MJF is definitely. So does that make win. sense? I feel like that's weak storytelling. A little bit. If it's for a title shot or something, then I get going through all that trouble to manipulate ta- Team Taz, right? But to win a ring that gets you nothing, I don't. I feel like it's a bit of a miss he for could me. Sell it. But anyways, go ahead. Um, we get a pre-match MJF promo, and the crowd's saying "you suck," so then he says "your daughter swallows," which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> Um, he says they would probably like him better if he was anti-education and pro-incest. Boom, roasted. <laughs> um, he says the second Punk got nervous, he insults Long Island sports teams for 10 minutes, says MJF. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was kind of funny still, yeah. just because, like, he always does well, that. Well, it's a lack of self-awareness. Right. Like, he's a heel, so. I mean, he does do it better, but, it's like, fine. still, I yep. think it's funny. Um, he says he liked the part when Punk said that MJF should stop running so Punk can go be a champion, but MJF says he didn't realize having an undefeated streak against underwhelming competition and underwhelming matches made him championship material. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't quite, I didn't catch the exact line, but he makes a crack about uh, Punk and Ryback, I think it was. Oh, I didn't catch that either. Um, he says he doesn't claim to be the best in the world, and he just is, and then Dante Martin comes out. Um, and this was like, it was a solid back and forth match, just like kind of an average TV match, I would say, but definitely not befitting of a main event slot in my opinion and i liked mjf's promo but i don't know if it was necessary and those are a couple minutes i think they could have tacked on to the deeb um sheeta match right yeah. like that's an example of something i don't think needed to be here or could have been shorter and throw those couple minutes back into that match but anyways nitpicking mm-hmm. a little um back-to-back leapfrogs and a monkey flip by martin and you could hear um mjf yell when he's getting flipped over yes that was pretty funny. A rolling 450 and then like kind of a double knees by Martin for two because it was like a standing 450. Right. Remember? Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. He He kind of caught MJF in like the throat or something. Yeah. his It looked like he kneed him right in the side of the neck, basically. I was yeah. worried that MJF acted. He did kind of roll out and recover for a second, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was real or storyline, but mm-hmm. it it couldn't have felt good. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin misses a dive to the outside and hits his face off the barricade. Um, MJ fits a powerbomb and then has his feet on the ropes, but the pin is caught uh, by the ref. Um, top rope shotgun dropkick by Martin. A cool flippy dude adds to avoid MJF by Martin. And then a big dive over the top rope. Yes, I said flippy dude adds. Deal with it. That is the technical um, term. <laughs> <laughs> following, uh, followed by a Topecon hero over the turnbuckle. So basically, like, MJF's on one side of the ring. Dante Martin's on the apron on, like, another side of the ring. He runs on the apron and then jumps over the turnbuckles right. to MJF, which it's I thought was kind of cool. It was. I don't think I've seen that kind of thing before. Um, MJF rolls out of the ring again after going in, and then Martin hits a Fosbury flop. Uh, numerous roll-ups. I wrote roll-ups for some reason. Uh, for two counts by Martin. A lot of back-and-forth pins here. Uh, Martin hits the double-jump spring, double jump springboard moonsault, but Ricky Starks puts MJF's foot on the ropes. And then MJF shortly after taps him out with the Salt of the Earth's Fujiwara armbar. 
After the match, FTR come to celebrate with MJF. The lights go in. I think it's something interesting. But no, of course, it's just Sting to spit in my face. We were hoping someone's Sting debuting or something cool. Right. Yeah, I'll talk about that after. But uh, that just made me... Ugh. Yeah. Uh, the Pinnacle do take control of the low load of Sting. And then CM Punk comes up to chase them off. Which usually, like, I'm fine with Punk. But that just kind of... Just really didn't care this time right and then punk challenges them to a six-man tag next week yes thing is wrestling yeah that's my oh wait my christmas dreams do come true exactly it's what you get (laughs) (laughs) um so i gave my thoughts on the promo ahead of time i thought it was good but not maybe necessary and not everything dante martin did in this match was clean but he's so impressive and he's trying so many crazy things that i don't know if there's many other people that I, can even do them. I really them. like that one thing does he does where he like waits for him. Jeff, he's got like his foot on the ropes and he does like the weird sideways backflip yes, thingy. That one, awesome I really time. like that one. So when he's doing so many things that almost nobody else can do. And I, he's, I can, he's not really messing up. I can forgive him. Um, MJF definitely was selling for a lot of this. It made Martin look pretty good for the most part. And again, I don't understand Dante turning on Team Taz so quickly for a shot at a ring. It doesn't make sense to me, but anyways. Maybe because they're losers, so he's just like, I'll mess with them for fun, you know? I guess. This was a good match, and it does further showcase Martin um, in a loss. Not sure MJF should need help to beat Dante Martin, but he is a cowardly heel, and Starks, I guess, is sort of furthering his angle with Dante Martin. So I thought it was a good main event. Absolutely nowhere near the caliber of the opener, easily. That's, I mean... Right, because it was better, right? Because they had Sting after, so it was That's better. Right. Uh, but Martin was impressive again, and it was, it was a solid main event. It's not like an elite main event for AEW by any means, but I enjoyed it for the most part. You? Um, yeah, I thought it was a fine match. I don't think it uh, should have gone on last. It was a solid match. I'd rather end on a timely withdraw than with Sting. And that brings <laughs> me to my main complaint. This is the perfect show to debut Gargano and or O'Reilly. Now, granted, their contracts may not work out for the show, but it felt like rubbing salt in the wound when their lights went out, and it just turned to, to be Sting. It's Sting. Like, the finish of the match wasn't the best, but it was fine. Yep. Um, what did you think of the show? Overall, really enjoyed this show, kind of bouncing back from a couple uh, subpar weeks for me. It's hard not to enjoy this show when the entire first hour is an amazing like match of the year contender for me. We got a good women's match, even if I did expect more. And then we got a squash match and a solid entertaining main event. I like the Malachi Black segment. I look forward to the addition of Brody King, if that's what that means, and I think it does. Kingston's promo was short, but fi- uh, good enough, at least. And I was impressed with Garrison on the mic. So I gave this show an A- minus this week, and a lot of that is the opening 60-minute. Like, half the show was a match that I absolutely loved, right? So that's going to boost the average for sure. So it was an A minus for me this mm-hmm. week. Nice to have them back in the I mean, A range. I think if we're lucky, um, we get Brody King and maybe O'Reilly next week. Yep. That'd so I think this cool. is like back to their average, which is B plus A minus for me. Like yep. always just a very, very strong show. Um, Overall, this is a pretty good show, but a very different one. I feel like you have to consider it a great show, considering literally half of it was one of the year's latest, best matches. Right. A very late match to your contender, but one nonetheless, it sneaks in there. Um, that was a great match. Had me in suspense but at the end. It looked as if there was about to be a finish, and then they pulled the dub- the time limit draw sword, which I thought was pretty nice. It was yep. well done. Didn't bother me. Um, the squash match was a down point, like a low point for me, but it was really short. But D versus Sheeta also really let me down. Just, like, yeah. it wasn't bad, but it just was disappointing. It should have been awesome. Yeah. Um, it also, it reminds me of Ant-Man 2. <laughs> I hate Ant-Man 2. Okay. Um... And the main event was fine. Um, 
And then the only segment that really stood out of the few we had was the Malachi Black one. I'm looking forward to next week because I think we'll let at least get O'Reilly or maybe even Brody King, perhaps, unless they're dragging out the ladder. Right. Like I could see maybe like they tease another Brody King segment. Me maybe. too. Because maybe they want to, like, if, let's say, O'Reilly debuts next week, then they want to drag out Brody King or vice versa, right? Because right? maybe they don't want to overshot one or the other. But I feel like if it, if it's going to go away, I feel like O'Reilly debuts next week because Cole said, specifically said that the surprise, surprise is, is coming. Week. And I think and he then, held up like a, a Christmas present to sort of mislead us, like that that little box is the surprise, right? Which I doubt that it is. So I mean, yeah. if if they don't do an Undisputed Era reformation, I could say maybe like it's O'Reilly cons Cole to get himself into AEW, maybe. Could be. Or they join together. There's some interesting that, options nice for sure, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Which is good. Um, but so yeah, that that was nice. Um, overall, really good show. I think I'll have to agree with that grade, A minus. Nice. I was kind of debating between that and B plus, but I think just the opener was just incredible. Half the show was incredible, right? So yes. you're already working L- from a strong point, right? Yep. yep. We can like actually say half of the show was awesome. Yep, I agree. All right, well that's gonna wrap up AEW Dynamite. I almost did it. I almost regressed to oh. AE Dynamite. It's been a while Ooh. since I've made that mistake. Slipping. So we got to make a list. AE Dynamite. Rachel Green. I screw up a lot, and there's something else uh, I say, too. You sometimes go Alistair Black or Daniel... I do. Bri- um, I do. Wait, uh, Daniel Bryanson? <laughs> Daniel Bryanson. Daniel Bryan. Can't help it. <laughs> but anyways, we're going to move into Jack tackling some trivia in what we Ooh. call Off the Top of His Head. All right, so this is general WWE trivia, and it's coming from quizquestions.uk. A bunch of them are too easy, so I'm taking them out of there. Um, something like, what does WWE stand for, right? So that seems a bit easy for you. Lock with Elias. Right. That is one of the acceptable options. Uh, so let's start out with, what in what year did the, was first WrestleMania held? 1985. Correct. Um, in what year, this one's a bit tougher, did Brock Lesnar return to WWE after a stint in UFC? 2012. Why do you know that so quickly? It's not that difficult. That is difficult. How many wins did The Undertaker have at WrestleMania before the streak ended? 21. 21 is correct. Which superstar is a cousin of Snoop Dogg? Sasha Banks. Correct. Who won the first Women's Royal Rumble? Oscar. Correct. These are too easy, all of them apparently. Who won the first... Women's WrestleMania main event match. Becky Lynch. Correct. Which female WWE superstar had the entrance song, quote, Bad Reputation? Ronda Rousey. Correct. Too easy. Um, which was the first WWE pay-per-view headlined by a women's match? That's a bit tougher. First pay-per-view with a women's match main Ooh, event. Oh, 2016. Correct. What was the match? Um, Charlotte Flair versus Sasha Banks. That I'm trusting you because that detail's not here, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm not, you're right. That was the year of that feud. Right. Um, who became the first superstar to cash in Money in the Bank contract mid-match? Seth Rollins. Correct. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's still the only one. The no, ul- no, it's not. Ultimate opportunist, right? Mm. Who did Daniel Bryan beat to get a place in the WrestleMania 30 main event? Triple H. Correct. Um, Survivor Series, true or false, is one of the big four. Uh, oh, hmm. Uh, I think so. Technically true, but <laughs> not really. Who was the first ever Universal Champion? Uh, Finn Balor. Even I knew that I one. I mean, they, they want, they probably don't really care if you remember that. Now, they're calling it WWE, but I will not. Who was the first WWF Champion? Uh, Bruno, wait, oh, Buddy Rogers. Correct. Very good. Because they have it as WWE, and that is mightily misleading if your answer is Buddy Rogers, right? I mean, I would still 
No, I mean, but I, 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 get, I get what you're saying. Do you remember? Actually, that was WWF, so you're still wrong. That's probably true. Who did Dolph Ziggler cash in his first Money in the Bank contract on? Alberto Del Rio. Correct. Nice. Who did Becky Lynch beat in her first match after returning from having her first child? Bianca Belair. Right, that one's so recent, seconds. right? It, in like, yeah, in four seconds or whatever it was. <laughs> unfortunately, who was the first member of the New Day to win the WWE Championship? Kofi Kingston. So easy. Like Biggie only won it this year, and Xavier Woods will never win it. This is I'm very current, positive. at least. Plus, side is it's current trivia. <laughs> who had the nickname Prince Pretty? Miss him. Uh, Tyler Breeze. Correct. Wait, uh, what was it, Matt Matt Dalton or whatever? What was it? Uh, Mike Dalton. Mike Dalton. Who I thought it was like, looked just like a mini Dolph Ziggler at the <laughs> time. I was like, is that Dolph Ziggler's brother? Who was no, the that's first? Nick <laughs> who was the first King of the Ring winner? Mm. Oh, hmm. Was it Don Morocco? It was Don Morocco. In what year did AJ Styles return to WWE? Return. Yep. Or sorry, I guess I, they probably mean debut. 2016? Correct. Yeah, that was the debut. Yeah. Who won... Yeah, why do I remember this? This is one of those why do I know this? Because you'll know for sure. Who won the first Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal? Zaro. Yeah, I actually remembered that too. Yeah, because he did like the Hogan lift Andre, but he did it to Big Show to throw him Exactly. Yeah. Who was the youngest woman to win the Divas Championship? Ooh. Mm. I could give you a hint if you would like. Sure. Non-American person. I thought you were going to say so nice. You got to say it twice and then it would be Kelly Kelly. No, not Kelly Kelly. Uh, An actual good wrestler. Non-American. I'll say that. Think young. No longer there. She was cool. She was in NXT, I think, briefly. Very young at the time. Correct. Who was the first leader of the Nexus? Wade Barrett, Correct. King Barrett, Stu Bennett, Bad News Barrett. Yes. Which year did the thousandth episode of Raw take place? 2012. Why do you know that? Took a showcase, baby. Oh, I guess so, right? Um, true or false? Drew McIntyre is the first British WWE world champion. He's Scottish. Well, I mean, they're including him as part of the, I guess, UK or whatever it is. I don't know. First WWE champion from there. We'll say that. Yeah. Yes, it is. Because I was thinking Seamus is Irish, though. Yeah. What country was Rusev Miro born in? Bulgaria. Correct. Who were the hosts of WrestleMania 33? New Day. Yes. What year did the WWE Network launch? 2014. Why do you know that? Because, obviously. That's ridiculous. Uh, okay, so a couple more we'll go through here. What was the... Oh. Which wrestler's real name is Rami Sabai. Sabai, Sabai. That's a hard one. Current wrestler in WWE main roster. May or may not be Canadian. He is. Jinder Mahal. Nope. His best friend just re-signed. Sami Zayn? Right. What? Good. No. Who was the first wrestler to win both the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships? Alexa Bliss. Why do you know that? I actually would have had to think about that. I remember she was SmackDown Women's Champion when, like, shortly after I started watching. Um, because I remember I watched, like, just before the brand split. And then I remember in the first Superstar Shake-Up, she, she feuded with Bailey in that dumb feud where Bailey was too weak to use a kendo stick. Right. And they had the kendo <laughs> stick on a pole match. Yes, they did. And the 
crappy version of the This Is Your Life. And then oh my God, Alexa yeah. Bliss, that was like her first reign as champion. Last question, and in true off-the-top-of-his-head format that I love, here's a hard one. And if you know this, then I don't know why you would know this. What country was Kane born in? Oh, um, hmm. You do know this? No. Okay, good. So not America, or else that would be too easy. Oh, I didn't know Bulgaria. This. No. I'll give you five guesses. There's one. Romania. No. Um. One syllable country. I'll give you that much. Greece. No. Spain. Yes, dang it. What? You got it on the fourth really? one. Yeah. Excellent. Huh, he's Spanish. Not my favorite off the top of his head, but I did have to sort of scramble. I kind of forgot, right? And had to find it a few minutes before we came down here to record. But anyways, you still did an amazing job, as you usually do. Thanks. And now we'll switch back into talking about a wrestling program, which we went back to NXT UK this week for the second week in a row. So let's spend a few moments talking about this week's NXT UK. So this show, no highlight package or anything, right? We go right into, I think it went right from basically the opening theme to the opening match, which is Joe Coffey, who's in much better shape than last time I saw him, taking on Charlie Dempsey, who is what? What's his... Uh, Regal's kid, I think. Yeah, I believe it is William Regal's which they son. Have not, they're not even acknowledging, which I think is really odd. And he's doing a really old school gimmick, Yeah, right? his Tron is like a picture of him, it's like Charlie Dempsey in action, which yes. I thought was kind of interesting. And he's like in plain tights, and he's got just like a shaggy haircut, and he looks like he's... Um, like an old school kind of British wrestler type style, I guess is what yeah, they're going he's for. he's very interesting, I think. So uh, Charlie Dempsey, the recent storyline is that he has just joined D Familia, which is Teoman and Rohan Raja, right? We, we finally got it. found his name. So I'm, I, I don't quite see the connection to Dempsey being in there, but I do like the group because I like Teoman and and Raja Teo quite Man. a bit so far. But I guess hopefully they'll explain this um, sort of collaboration a little bit further in the future. So, anyways. This was a lot of holds and counters, right? Because that is Dempsey's style, the old school, highly technical wrestler. The final few minutes of this then shifted to a slugfest, which obviously is going to favor Joe Coffey because he's more of a brawler, right? That is Joe Coffey. And then the other two members of D-Familia do end up coming down here and getting involved. So that distraction basically allows Charlie Dempsey to apply a dragon sleeper that puts Joe Coffey out. Like, I don't think he submitted. He was actually out for this, right? So it's kind of like a referee stoppage because coffee is out uh what did you think of this quick well it was kind of medium length i guess i thought, opener. I thought it was a solid opener but i expected a little better um because i i haven't seen much uk in general but i know coffee's pretty good because i've seen him like a bit he like, is, I, I like him first takeover he challenged pete dunn like i've seen him a bit so he's pretty good yep um and i saw a bit of dempsey's debut in his gritty but tactical style seems very interesting it was a solid match and all but i don't know i was expecting like a little better but it was good it's interesting you say that because i also find Dempsey interesting, even though I'm somewhat critical of the lots of holds and counter styles. There's the odd time where I'm okay with it, right? So I find him interesting as well. He's kind of in that sweet spot. He's kind of unique in his style and a, a bit of a throwback. I don't, and I also like coffee, but I don't think that somehow the, these styles meshed that well together. I don't quite know what it was. So I'm kind of with you. I thought it was a decent opener, and it's a big win for Dempsey, right? Because regardless of how he won with the interference or involvement of his, his faction... It's still a very young guy. I was guy. hoping to see that submission he used in his debut or like that that one that I think you showed me. And at, Yeah, and at one point, um, Joe Coffey was one of the faces of this company, right? So for Dempsey to pick up a win. Brand. 
Yeah, Brand, sorry, that's true. Mine um, show. For him to pick up a win over Coffee, regardless of how he did it, is kind of a big deal for him, so that's good. And I imagine this is just prolonging things between Def- Di Familia and Gallus, right? We're going to get a tag match or a six-man tag or something out of this somewhere. Next, we get a video package recapping uh, Mustache Mountain winning the NXT UK Tag Team titles from what I thought was, I think you did too, a very good match last week, right? I really enjoyed the main event last week. We then have assistant regional manager, <laughs> assistant manager, general manager, assistant, assistant to, to the, the regional <laughs> manager, Sid Scala, announces that... I um, find it really works. I feel like Johnny Saints never around. So no. Why can't we just name this chump the general right? manager already? So he is announcing, I think it was in three weeks, right? Which is... It, there's a tag match. Quite a bit of notice. In four weeks, there's a tag match. Right. And then in five weeks, there's going to be a tag match right. from those two tag matches. So Symbiosis will face off against Ashton Carter and and or sorry was it ashton smith and oliver carter i think again i'm yes, just getting back into uk so and I'm... it was them versus were they facing symbiosis yes right? and then teoman and... and raja are taking on mastiff and jack stars right, that's what it, okay the week after that and then the winner of those two face, face off, off the week after that second match so it's kind of like a mini tournament right and the winner of that one will get a title shot so I'm hoping that this is to showcase Teoman and Raja, because honestly, they're the only team involved in this that interests me. Symbiosis is not my favorite. And Jack Stars is Jack Stars, right? So, although him and Mastiff kind of have an interesting combination, because Mastiff is just humongous and Stars is quite small. So it's an interesting combo. But really, Di Familia is the only team there that I'm interested in seeing do a lot. So I'm hoping they are. that's the point of this. Um, although the only thing is, I feel like... I don't, they would probably lose to Mustache Mountain anyway. Yes, they would. But maybe it's more about throwing their names. I think that's right. In it's there. to get them known as right. an established. And again, that would make sense because they're heels and you just put the titles on a baby face. So it seems like that's kind of where you're going. I mean, it, I feel like it's usually like with the singles titles, I noticed they love, they seem to do the particularly long title runs. Right. They do. Right. You're right. But I. I, I don't necessarily know, but I they said like that pretty deadly only had like five defenses. Yes. Like they don't the tag titles haven't seemed to be following suit. No, it's mostly the the main as title. Much. Yeah. Like like um, AEW does with their belt, right? Right. To just get the prestige up right. there. Right. Exactly. Um, we then get what I thought was a really cool vignette featuring Jordan Devlin. So he's providing the voiceover, and we get footage of him like driving a vintage com- convertible, talking about the wind blowing through his hair and how great he is. Uh, and then he's shown like walking into a facility or something and he's like pretending to interact with the fans and being happy to do so. But then like when he turns to walk away and they his facing the camera, you can see that he's kind of making a face like he doesn't really want to do this. Right. Like he he calls them, I think, little people in the voiceover and stuff. It was so, like um, how they said Randy Orton acted when he was like right. the... the face champion on that documentary thing. so he resents like having to acknowledge them but he's going through the motions sort of thing to play the part of someone who appreciates the fans uh he then sort of runs down Dragonov a little bit how he's gonna he's pathetic for fighting for his family and obviously um devlin thinks he's gonna win the match uh what did you think of this he should win the match i don't know um, yet but i was half paying attention but i thought it still looked pretty good you were half paying attention i thought it was really cool i love that they're finally putting effort into Devlin having more character than just like I'm a really good wrestler who's angry right we're getting a little bit of story this seeing is why I him. wish they had like a main card title that wasn't a big fat cup yeah I guess so um he's even more arrogant now and he's a lot more comfortable in the aspects of wrestling outside the ring I feel like I thought this was a really cool 
little vignette and i liked it a lot i still think he looks like finn balor it's funny because he does look remember like finn balor. in the tournament he was a guy who was trained by finn balor he's like and off I was like, brand he kind of looks like finn balor i mean he's good because he's different from yes. finn balor but he definitely looks like a a great value finn balor he does uh mustache mountain then come to the ring to talk about their tag team title win last week trent starts out by selling that kind of teasing that he's really sad right and that he isn't sure what he's got left and it's like he's teasing the one final run thing that veterans do but then he like, like um rick flair in 2008 kind of deal right and then he like fires up and it's clear that he's just joking about that he returns to his normal sort of jovial self uh and then he goes on to run down tyler bates credentials right and basically the point is that uh tyler bate is the first ever nxt uk grand slam champion and they keep saying correct right as he rhymes off the things did you notice that correct with no t for some reason. That's I don't nice. know if that's funny or whatever. Anyways, uh, Trent then goes super mega baby face. Thanks the fans. Thanks everyone involved in um, NXT UK basically for sticking with them as he sort of battled his doubts and his weight and whatever. Um, thanking everybody here. What did you think of this promo? Um, I thought it was like one of those classic post-title and baby face promos, um, but I thought it was pretty good. It kind of hints at, at a retirement storyline for someone way down the line, I think, which could be interesting. This promo annoyed the crap out of me because I felt like it was a giant waste of time and it felt like it was filling... Didn't have much on the agenda, really. Right? It was like, hey, guys, go in there. We need you to fill, like, five minutes or whatever. Right. Uh, I don't think it accomplished anything. They didn't further any feud. They didn't add any details to any character. Again, it just felt to me like they were sent out there to kill time and I was bored. Like, I don't think this accomplished anything other than, yeah, we won. Thanks, fans. Like, that could have been handled in a 30-second vignette from backstage. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I, I don't think Trent did a bad job speaking or anything. I just don't know what the point of this was. I would have rather something else, anything else here. So I felt like my time was wasted a little bit on this segment. We then get a quick Ashton Smith, Oliver Carter um, promo, I guess. Basically, they want the tag team titles. Uh, they are basically saying now is their time and that some, I guess their catchphrase is always forward. What did you think of these guys? I think that catchphrase sucks they're kind of like mid-card tag team at this point yeah i, think. I remember ashton smith used to be a jobber he did kind of not out of that role but i see that's the thing as i'm just getting back into it i'm not even sure where everybody fits in yet but i feel like these guys are not main contenders right no definitely not so i don't see them as those contenders but i did i'm finding um oliver carter a little more interesting than i did in the past i think he's right? like part I want to see his part Jamaican or like Caribbean or something. He's wearing the, like the ski goggles on his head sort yeah, of that's thing. Kind of Interesting. Weird. But I find him more confident and I'm kind of liking his attitude. Ashton Smith doesn't really do anything for me. I find him kind of bland, but I thought Carter was a pretty interesting. We then get a video package featuring Mako Satomura and then Blair Davenport sort of to hype up their upcoming match, right? Basically, the idea is Mako is tired of Davenport constantly wanting to fight her and challenge her whether she sort of deserves the matchup or not. And Davenport is then talking about she dominated in Japan as a foreigner, and now Mako is the foreigner over here, and Davenport is basically going to score a flawless victory, right, as a reference to, um, oh my god, the video game that your mother and I used to play when we were young. Oh, Mortal Kombat, there you go. So anyways, what did you think of this package? Um, I thought it was a solid package. I thought Davenport's line about Sadamura now being the Gaijin was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, I don't agree with Davenport being one of the best. It's funny, I have similar thoughts. But we'll see. I thought this was well done too, and it does add some interest for me in the match. 
And I was thinking the same. Like, I don't think Davenport's a top-tier talent yet. I don't yet. think she's anywhere near the level of Satomura. Me either. I, I imagine Mako's going to win this. But I also, again, just getting back into NXT UK regularly, Davenport could be better than I think she is. She may be more prominent than I'm I'm just kind of basing of, right? at least off of that match right. last time. So, yeah, I don't see Mako losing yet, but I guess we'll find out. We then get sort of um, a bit of an enhancement match here, right? It's Danny Jones who... It's pretty much just a jobber or slightly better taking on heel Kenny Williams with no beard. We always seem to have to mention the the baby face heel. I mean, to be fair, when he had a beard, I kind of went back and looked. He didn't exactly look like a heel either. No, it's just that's the standard trope, right? Is like your clean shaven baby face, or you grow a beard when you're right. It's or like, like the, you if you're a woman, a you have to dye your hair black if you're <laughs> right, and if you go baby face, you're blonde now. Right, or it's like. I guess he does kind of look like more like a heel now, but like, it's just funny that the second he turned heel, he decided to become a literal right. baby literal face. Literal baby like, face. I mean, it's fine if he shaves, but like, it just was like the second he was he heel. Did. It was really funny. So Williams grabs a mic, basically tells Danny Jones that he has the night off because Williams wants to face Mark Andrews instead, but he doesn't get what he wants, and this match with Danny Jones starts anyways. Jobber so, named Generator, holy. So commentary briefly explained to us, because I don't think I, I saw it, that Mark Andrews' music came on in the middle of a Kenny Williams last match, I think it was, distracted Kenny Williams, who then lost, and I just thought that's a really lame, like, genesis for a feud to start, right? Like, wrestlers really need to learn how to focus better. We've talked about this before. And they need to, like... Like, if a theme plays, or a person walks out on the ramp, just ignore them. Unless they're actually doing something. Carry on, yeah. Like, that's... But, like, they're just standing there, like, coming down, like, just finish the match like a random sound comes through the speakers and you stop what you're doing right like what is that like just focus man where is it but who anyways. did that so williams uh this is a pretty quick match he hits his bad luck finisher which is like the forward dirty DDT, deeds the V1. original og dirty deeds or he, the one percenter right and because he's a heel he hits it twice for the win here what did you think i thought the second one didn't look right no <laughs> um i thought it was a fine enhancement match. i think super interesting but i thought kenny williams kind of looked kind of oh kind of looked interesting i do kind of like, like him i i think he's like i didn't love that video last week i thought, I thought it looked cool but i thought it was just kind of right odd when he was like just spitting out that stuff yes that just kind of annoyed and spitting me out whatever just, he was, was doing stupid. but i thought he looked kind of interesting here i mean I, th- I think the jobber got a little too much in he did i, I thought so too i would have liked a little more from kenny but i, th- I thought he looked kind of cool yeah um yeah jones got in some offense in a couple of different sort of flurries and then Williams took control and won decisively. And because he's a heel, he hits his finisher twice, right? It wasn't anything special at all. But I, too, I kind of like Kenny Williams. Um, I feel like one of the issues might be he could get to be a little similar to Noam Dar to me. But because similar size, similar style, and both kind of doing the baby, or the heel thing. But anyways. Hey, at least um, Dar's not a baby face. <laughs> true. My only problem with Kenny Williams right now is I don't have any interest in seeing Mark Andrews. Like, I don't, I just don't. I've seen him for a million him. years all over the place, and I'm just, yeah. I don't find his character at all. He's interesting in the ring. He does good work, but, like, his character, I just, yeah, I just don't you know, care. Yeah, but you know who's worse? Who? Flash Morgan Webster. Well, yeah, you have a problem with him. He's Flash not my Morgan favorite Webster. either. He sucks. We then get a symbiosis vignette, and they're behind the fence, as they usually are, talking about this being a new year and leading the pack, et cetera, et cetera. What would you think of this? It's my um, mega summary. I thought, like... 
they, they didn't say much, but I thought like the way it was shot, the tone of was their really stuff. Cool. Yeah, cool. the tone was interesting. Yeah, yep. for sure. Uh, yeah, it was really quick. Just a reminder about this team ahead of their match in that like mini tournament. I guess this is pretty standard. What symbiosis does right eddie what's his name um, eddie dennis there you go he's basically the mouthpiece for them funny and it's if you said eddie brock and it's this idea that he can bear he's just barely in control of these two guys right who are just these vicious beasts kind of thing um then we see coming back from a commercial i think it was that kenny williams has attacked mark andrews during mark the break andrews. backstage and andrews needed medical attention so i guess that's just furthering that storyline a little bit and then we get our main event which is uh, for a Heritage Cup title opportunity, therefore held under Heritage Cup rules. And that is going to be Nathan Fraser taking on A-Kid. Do you want to run down the rules for anyone that's not a UK watcher? I, Are I, you clear on them? Not. I just know that there's rounds that last like a few minutes. Right, so there, I think it's five three-minute rounds. And a round ends if you get a pinfall or a submission, right? But and then the next, you get 20 seconds before the next round starts. And whoever has the most wins. First... I think it's best two or three. Oh, is it? Or oh, it's like that, yeah, that makes sense. First to two, because some of the matches haven't gone the full. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, so A Kid controls most of the first round. Uh, hits a really nice drop kick. Was about the highlight of that because this was all just them sort of jockeying for position, right? Because like you said, three minutes isn't a ton of time to get stuff done. Um, so they're just kind of building in the first couple rounds usually. So there was no pinfalls or submissions in round one. And then round two was about Fraser sort of getting more um, time in control here. And he actually earns the first pinfall after a series of like roll-up pinfall attempts by each man. Fraser ends up holding uh, A-Kid down for a three count. So he picks up the first pinfall there. And then the third round is where, uh, for me at least, the action really starts to pick up because A-Kid now really needs to even things up because he's down right. a pinfall, right? And in, the, in round three... Um, that's one of my only issues with this is like I feel like it's like the rounds are so short that like there's so many times where like the, the only way you can get a pin is like with like a clever roll up or something like, yes that's just one of my main issues with the stipulation and I feel like a lot of the same things keep coming up in these matches right like someone saved by the bell like in this round right so Fraser basically right. gets put in an arm bar but the clock and runs out it feels out. like they just don't take a lot of punishment yeah you know like yeah. just because like it's only five rounds, three minutes each, but that's 15 minutes, right? right? Like, Which is a decent-sized match, but not if you're stopping every three minutes, right? Like, you're, whatever's happening, you just stop every three minutes right. and reset. So I, if, like, each one was, like, five minutes, sure, that'd be, like, 25 minutes, but, like, then maybe you'd cut down on the rounds or, like, no. If you but, again, that's no. half their show every week, basically. Right? right, so I don't know. I just think, like, the whole Heritage Rules thing limits, like, I think the whole Heritage Cup concept just really doesn't, work it's, for me yeah it's a bit you you find it flawed for sure i still don't like the cup round four sees fraser start out on fire with quick impactful offense we get a really sick german suplex as so i don't know if fraser was about to do a springboard backwards off the ropes but remember a kid kind of slides through the ropes while delivering a german oh, and then landing really on his cool. feet on the floor really cool um and then a really nice looking jumping kick to the head so he pins Frazier in round four to tie things up at one fall apiece. So we go into the fifth round that with the next pinfall or submission, I'm going to win this match and head on for a championship shot. So A-Kid starts round five by taking the fight to Fraser right away, and he earns a near fall. Um, at one point, A-Kid, I think it was he was kipping up, right? Right into a super kick from Fraser that looked pretty that good. Nice, yeah. And then Fraser hits a fallaway moonsault slam off the second rope that looked pretty awesome. 
and almost under rotated yes he did it looked like he kind of landed on his own face and a kid at the same time right um then we get an uma plata by a kid i think it was and the f- submission he applied at the oh, end. Oh, okay. And yeah. it looks painful. Once he gets his leg around that second arm and really reefs back on it, like, it's a crazy-looking submission hold. And surprisingly for me, at least, Nathan, Nathan Fraser does give up here. So A-Kid wins this match and will go on to face... Who has the Heritage Cup right now? Why can't I remember? Uh, oh, Noam Dar. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, oh, boy, why do I not remember that? So we'll get A-Kid and Noam Dar at some point in the future. What would you think of the main event of this? Um, I thought it was pretty good like for this for this kind of match the style of matches eh. i just think that the rounds are too short it's just like the match type just really it's very flawed yeah. i like i don't mind if this is an, an occasional thing but like i don't know it just doesn't really work as a regular thing for me i really like that finishing submission though because it kind of that was really cool it, it kind of really fragments painful. the match right like right. it starts to get some flow when you get into it, and then it's like stop for 20 seconds and it's the 20 seconds is barely enough time, right? It's basically stop, and then away they go again. But anyways, um, I thought the first couple rounds of this were pretty standard, and then things picked up in the third round, and I thought the final two rounds were actually really good, both men showcasing fast, crisp-looking offense. I was kind of surprised by the outcome, only because A-Kid has already had his run with the Heritage Cup, and I thought Frazier was sort of due for a push. Seems like um, they're kind of holding off on that for now. But again... Not being a regular viewer of NXT UK lately, I'm not quite sure. That was just my feeling coming into it. But I thought it was still a very good main event, especially the last half of this match, or like 60% of it, I guess. I really enjoyed once we got past the first couple. Uh, overall thoughts and a letter grade for this? Um, So I, I thought the opener was fine, but not quite up to Agreed. the expectations I had. I liked the Devlin promo. Mustache Mountain was fine. Um, The tournament thingy thing was whatever. Uh, the the women's package was alright. I kind of enjoyed the Kane Williams squash, oddly enough. Symbiosis promo was fine. And the main event was it was okay. I just don't really have much interest in this match type as a whole. Not right. not to the fault of these guys because I thought they actually had like if they had a normal match, I would like to see. Yeah, that, there was actually. some cool stuff in it for sure. Um, yeah. So I think overall, I would give it maybe like I don't know. I I'd give it like a B. Okay. It's nothing terrible, but, like, just not great. But, like, it was a fine hour. Yeah. Uh, I really liked the main event, most of it at least, and really liked the Devlin promo. So those were the two highlights for me for sure. Dempsey Coffee opening match was fine, but not great. I was hoping for a bit better like you were. The Mustache Mountain in-ring segment was a big miss for me. I don't know why it was there. I feel like they could have spent those few minutes doing almost anything else, and I would have preferred it. And I love Mustache Mountain, so it's kind of strange to say that. The Kenny Williams match was just enhancement, but again, I, I'm, I am getting interested in Kenny Williams, so I guess it was effective. So I was a little bit lower. I gave it a B minus, right? Like it was watchable, but nothing amazing that anyone needs to see. Like some highlights of the main event, sure, but I don't think you need to go back and watch anything. But again, it's an hour, right? So it's a quick hour. I didn't hate it, so that's a B minus for me this week. All right. Next segment we're going to move into is talking about some other wrestling that any either of us watched this week, and that is any other wrestling business. All right, so you ready? Because I'm going to talk about NXT and you can sort of live vicariously through my discussion of it. So the show starts off. Get ready for lots of Grayson Waller on this episode, despite him not wrestling. 
Um, so it starts like off with multiple a re- segments. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, oh yeah. Um, like, I mean, even if he's not bad, I just feel like that's just not. That it's I a lot don't, of. Him, I just don't but, like when they do that. It's a lot of him, but in very, very small doses throughout. So we start off with a recap of. Oh, Gar- so they're going back to that format. Our Ga- Gargano's promo to end last week, including Grayson Waller's vicious attack afterwards. So honestly, the chair around the neck into the ring steps and the power bomb through the announce table both were really, really good, and it did make Waller uh, look pretty vicious here. And I thought. I'm going to give NXT credit here. I thought they did something really cool because they then used footage from Waller's eye, uh, from his phone and social media, I think it was Instagram, whatever, from right after the attack, right? So basically, he's taken out Johnny Gargano and he's making like a selfie video as you see Gargano in the background and stuff. And I thought that was just a really cool idea and a smart use of social media in wrestling. The funny for part once. is one of the ways you know Gargano's gone is that he's uh, Twitch streaming. Because it was it, it was adding new content and just kind of a different flair to it, and I I really liked it actually. We then see footage of Waller now entering the building as there's like a crowd assembled outside of fans and they're booing and jeering him heavily as he walks by. And it's just basically him loving their reaction, like fully embracing that the crowd hates him and actually films the crowd really quickly. I'm sure he posted that on social media as well. So I'm kind of interested in this already. And then we go straight into the No Holds Barred match between Grimes and Duke Hudson, which this is the most details of anything I'll cover on this recap, I'm pretty sure. So within 30 seconds of this match starting, Duke Hudson's out on the floor with a trash can over his head already. And Grimes lands like a punt kick as he runs by from the apron, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, Hudson then gets slingshotted. Actually, he slingshots himself into the ring and directly into a nice German suplex to uh, Grimes that looked cool. Hudson catches Grimes, hits a big Uranagi onto a chair that looked really good. Hudson then power bombs Grimes through a poker table again, but he he goes for the pin, but the referee's basically like his shoulders aren't on the mat and down, so he couldn't get the pinfall, and then by the time he drags him off the table and pins him on the mat, Grimes has enough to kick out, which I thought was a nice touch. Hudson uh, goes under the ring at one point and grabs clippers, like hair clippers. So then at this point, he's sort of taken Grimes out. Grimes is down on the mat. So Duke Hudson sits in a chair in the ring, and he's sort of grabbing Grimes' hair and is teasing, clipping it here, obviously. Uh, doesn't happen. A bit later, Grimes I still lands. understand the obsession with that. Grimes, he just wants payback, I guess, right? No, but the, like in the first place. Uh, no, me either. <laughs> Grimes lands a kick and then a really sweet poison Rana that actually ends up with Hudson sort of stumbling backwards and sitting in a chair. It, it kind of worked, actually. It looked pretty good. And then we get a cave-in to Duke Hudson while he's in the chair, through the chair, which I thought looked really cool, too. So Cameron Grimes gets the decisive pin here after about 11 minutes. He then de-wigs Hudson, which I found it is actually a word because I typed it kind of joking. <laughs> I think it's an actual word. So he de-wigs Hud- Hudson. Who oh is, my God, he's bald. He's bald. He looks completely fine. Like he looks better with hair. But it's this whole idea that like, I think this is another one of Vince McMahon sort of things coming through where he just thinks it's like awful to be bald. You know what or I mean? Like when he shaved himself. Because he like... He just looks like Hudson looks like a guy who's chosen to have a shaved head. Like he doesn't. I mean, it's but weird because he like just had hair, but like. Other and he than looks that. better with hair, probably. But like he has to act all embarrassed, right, by this, which I don't really understand because there's tons of people and in wrestling with shaved heads. But anyways, um, so I actually enjoyed this match. A lot of the spots were pretty cool, and it was fun to watch overall. I liked the finishing sequence a lot. Both of these guys took some really solid bumps. I think this was my 
favorite match of theirs. Um, and I'm like to, I'm glad to see Grimes win decisively. Hopefully he can move on to something else now. The story surrounding this match was pretty awful. I think that's been well documented by us along the way. This match wasn't a classic, I don't think, but it was an enjoyable opener and for NXT 2.0 standards, like quite good actually. Um, then my next note is, then this show drops off a cliff for a while. So here's where... Because you don't want me to like anything on here, right? You want to just watch me hate it no, all. No, I... It, that, that's all it deserves. Cora Jade and Mackenzie... Oh, yeah. ...have a segment backstage. Jade's delivery is awful. And Dakota's Kai's character work is not much better here, which is really frustrating because she is so good. And I love Dakota Kai. I can't stand what they have her doing right now. Basically, Kai is warning Cora Jade... That Gonzalez is doing the same thing that Gonzalez did to Kai, which is make Cora Jade do all of the work so Gonzalez can just take all the glory for herself. Um, Jade listens to the advice and then just sort of says, thanks, mom, and walks away. What? As she da- actually said that? Yeah. Like, thanks for the advice, mom, kind of thing. And walks away as Dakota Kai is oh. trying to do her, like, I'm unhinged and disturbed mannerisms, she which are so stupid. That. Yeah, I agree. Um, we then go back to Grayson Waller. He's walking backstage, and now nobody in the building wants anything to do with him. So whether it's wrestlers or, like, backstage personnel, everybody's just walking away from him. And my favorite part is that he couldn't care less. He just thinks it's funny, right? Like, he's just this ultimate heel right now that I am quite interested in. So then we get... Man, I almost got you to watch this just for how bad it was, because I watched it twice trying to understand this. So I talked about it briefly with you. And I, this is going one of two ways. So, well, actually, that's not true. I could be going one of two ways. So it's Jensen and Briggs. And remember last week, Cat and Zero and Carter walked through their segment and said they had extra tickets to this concert. Oh, right. So Jensen and Briggs go to the concert with Cat and Zero and Carter. You mean, it's, was it a rave? No, it was a country concert this oh, time. Oh, come on. Really? They just love to have fun. So wherever there's fun, that's where... Country's not fun. But anyways... um. So basically, Jensen and uh, Briggs are sitting on the tailgate of their truck, talking about whatever, and Cat and Zero and Carter show up in a nicer truck, which the they make a comment about that the, our truck's nice, but that truck's nicer. I think it was Jensen saying that. So anyways, um, they go to this concert. Long story short, they're, the women are doing some line dancing, uh, and at one point, Jensen and Kate and Carter are dancing. Casey Cat and Zero pulls... Carter away and starts dancing with her and then they we sort of see Cat and Zero and Carter hugging and then the last thing is Jensen and Briggs are watching in shock like their jaws are dropped and they're just shocked so this was really bad for sure but I it it was very thought-provoking because I'm trying to understand what's going on with this garbage so option one are they suggesting that Cat and Zero and Carter are a couple in some way and that this is what was so shocking to Jensen and Briggs. But, like, why would they get that from one hug? Because, like, right. friends could hug, right? Like, right, for sure. But then why is that, like, jaw-droppingly shocking to Jensen and Briggs? Because they're rednecks. I guess. Um, because the final shot was of the two women hugging and Briggs in the background just shocked by this. Or is this that Briggs and Jensen are overcompensating with all their manly, manly, man stuff and that they're gay? <gasps> and could we trust NXE to treat that like... Are both couples ma- gay? In a mature fashion, right? Mm, let me think. No. No, probably not. So I don't... 
This what? was really bad, and I Wait, don't actually, know where no, it's they going, have and I'm nervous. Taken, uh, gay, gay couple seriously before. Remember Billy and Chuck? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> like, like treat it as a joke and ha ha ha. No, we're not actually, because that would be awful. And then Eric Bischoff is right? the priest for the wedding. And well, they... that reveal was cool, <laughs> but the whole. So I don't know where they're going with this, but it's awful. Both of these teams are bad. I don't. It's I don't know where it's going, but I guess we'll find out going forward. So regardless of the intent or where this is going, it's not good TV. So back to Grayson Waller. Um, I thought this one is amazing promo. He cuts this promo in the ring, talking about ending Johnny Gargano's career, fans being jealous of him, him embracing basically everybody that hates him because he doesn't need anyone. He only needs himself is the point of this. He then puts up tweets on the screen of people taking shots at him, and then there's one kind of supportive tweet from Wade Barrett because Wade Barrett's the heel announcer. So this is what I like, because Waller's mega heel, right? He then basically rips Wade Barrett to his face as he leans over the rope, sort of yelling at commentary. One of his lines was something about, it's not 2010, and he doesn't care what Wade Barrett thinks of him anyways. He then mocks Vic Joseph, because as we well know, this is well established, right? That that Johnny Gargano and Vic Joseph are best friends? Question mark. Yes, absolutely. Because that's the reference he makes. Like you did nothing while I took out your best friend, and you sat there and did nothing about it's it. It's not like Johnny Gargano has an actual best friend right. on the roster right. in a prominent position, but no, yeah, I, they they've uh, talked about that a lot, right? So I, I liked Waller saying it, but it was very much out of the blue, right? But I, I think if he directed that at Champa. Then. It would make sense, right? But I like the idea. Of, you didn't even have to add the best friend, but you guys sat there and did nothing while I killed this guy, right? Um, Which, I mean, they kind of always do that. But So I, he I, ends I with a mic it. drop and sort of leaves. And I know that this is NXT 2.0, and it's pretty awful all the time, but I love this. And I think that this guy's a star in the making and is just, like, embracing this fantastic mega heel character. I thought he was totally believable here. I don't know what other people have thought about this. It'll be interesting for me to go back and see. He seems to really be embracing the hatred of just everyone, the fans, any of the crew, any of the other talent. He just doesn't care. So I would actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, I would recommend people check this out because I think this is a pretty cool angle that they're developing with Waller, and I really like it. I hope Vic Joseph is, Joseph is okay working with his best friend now. Right. How's he going to survive? Maybe he's coming back, and there'll be a tag team. <laughs> we get a quick reminder that from last DIY, week. DIY, don't do it yourself. That Riddle is MSK's shaman. Uh -huh. Then we get Malcolm Bivens cutting a really nice promo here, hyping Roderick Strong as sort of the workhorse of NXT and V champion. He kind of then downplays Braun Breaker's abilities, and then before that, he just lets us know that Ivy Nile is about to go out and crack some skulls as they start heading to the ring. Literally. I really like Bivens in this role, right? It's perfect. He can speak for all of these guys that probably shouldn't be speaking for themselves. And he's just an excellent manager. Like, he's kind of a throwback, right? I really like... Um, I just wish they would decide if they want to push this stable or make them look kind of like mid-carders. Because it seems you, like... They can't push them. They don't have Tyler Russ. Because it's kind of fluctuating, right? They just seem to be gaining traction. And then it's like, nope, the Creed brothers have Although to lose. Although I'm, I'm actually, in hindsight, thankful he's not there. I guess so. Um, so I really hope that Roderick Strong isn't going to be sacrificed to Braun Breaker feel, on this show. But it seems very possible. I mean, why wouldn't they? They seem to love Braun Breaker. Roderick Strong is A, a veteran, B, a cruiserweight, C, cruiserweight champion. Would it help you to make a prediction if I tell you the match is non-title? <laughs> Talk no, about telegraphing. I think, I think Braun Breaker would win even if it was for the title match because there's no weight limit anymore. Yep. 
on a cruiserweight championship. That they need to rename it real fast. Uh, so then we Just go get rid of it. from a pretty strong segment, or at least a decent segment, to lashing out with Lash Legend, and it's awful, really awful. Her guest this time is Jacket Time, and then we get the woman in pajamas, right? Karen Q, the former Mei Ying. So she basically walks right in front of the camera um, in her pajamas with, I think, a stuffy and maybe a ma- like a sleep mask. So she walks by at one point to get her cameo in. And they try to build the angle between Jacket Time and Grizzled Young Veterans, but I can't possibly care about this, and it's awful. And they've taken Ikamanjiro, somebody who was like a fun little comedy character. He was still comedy, but like it was at least entertaining. And he was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. Right. And now it's just like, get this off of my television, and Kushida is suffering being involved in this I even as like well. Kushida. I remember I used to hate Kushida. Right. He used to suck. You can go and back then, to hating him now. <laughs> yeah, I can. Um, <laughs> but, like, when I think after that Gargano match, he, he was Cruiserweight champion. I remember he had, like, the nice match with Escobar. He had, like, Oni Lorcan, and, like, he had, like, a nice string of matches. He did. And then now it's just kind of crumbled. Now you're in a comedy tag team that makes no sense. So this segment was brutal. I, I thought you told me they were ending the Lash LaRue segment, Last Legend segments. Yeah. Maybe this one they already had done or something, right? I don't know. These could go away as soon as possible for me. Uh, Ivy Nile then does get her match. She beats Amari Miller in less than four minutes. And I think Nile has a cool look. She's really quick and she can execute a few moves really well at this point. She obviously needs more seasoning and experience, but I think she's a pretty cool, interesting talent. Nobody really looks like her, right? Um... This match, I mean, it was exactly what you'd expect from these two. It wasn't amazing, but it's just about Niall getting more experience and sort of picking up dominant wins along the way, which she did here. Uh, Zion Quinn then talks to Mackenzie backstage, and now basically he knows what Electra Lopez is up to, and I think that's referring back to last week. She slipped the brass knuckles on Quinn, and I guess we're officially learning that it was with the attempt to get Quinn disqualified not to help him. So he says now that he knows How do what, they know that? I guess it's still not entirely guaranteed, but he thinks so. So he says the game is on now that he knows what Lopez is up to. The camera then pulls back, and Robert Stone is standing on the other side of Mackenzie, and Quinn walks away. And so he's tired of being overlooked and ignored. He's kind of like, you know I've been standing here this whole time, and you've just been ignoring me, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, so then... We get, you know, the master of all promos who puts Eddie Kingston to shame. Von Wagner comes in. <laughs> uh, my notes say he tries to be a heel, but comes across. Oh, yeah, he's a heel now. He comes across as a less charismatic Jack Swagger. Ooh, less roasted. Less charisma than Swagger. Because they have the similar size and, like, they carry themselves kind of somewhat of a similar background, I yes. guess. Like, cause, like Wagner was, I, I want to say he was a wrestler or something. Um, so he says he'll be breaking more bodies Ooh. next week. So there was a lot going He's on in this burned. segment. Uh, none of it really mattered or was particularly interesting. I don't know if they're suggesting that Robert Stone is going to be facing Von Wagner or there's something else going on. But it was like, just like, no attention span, right? Here's one character for 30 seconds. Here's another one. Here's another one. Moving on. So classic 2.0. Didn't like it. Don't know what's going on. Joe Gacy's then hyping up Harlan backstage ahead of Harlan's debut match, which is next, but it's not next in two WWE fashion. Next we get, oh my God, Riddle and MSK segment. Oh yeah. Where they are, their little um, fanny pack of drugs or whatever, they're going to open it up and they basically like Austin Powers, you won't get that reference, but we may watch that movie no, at I some point. I didn't. So they pull impossibly large things out of a really small bag. Um, so they pull out a pylon at one point. They Matt Riddle then pulls out a scooter 
and then basically MSK reach in and they pull out full-size scooters out of this tiny bag and they ride off on scooters. So I don't know if the point is they're so high that they think this is what they're doing. Like, I don't know, but it's it's ridiculous. So I use the word cartoonish a lot to describe NXT 2.0, right? But this may have been the most cartooniest of the cartoonish segments yet. I cringed. It was so bad. Um... And I bet there's going to be many more of these things. I feel like they brought Riddle in, right? Filmed a whole bunch of vignettes, and they're going to just keep putting them out. Poor Riddle. It's, ridic- it's ridiculous. It's so bad. The the characters and the segments, like the in-ring stuff, whatever, there's the odd decent thing in the ring, but the segments and the characters they're trying to push are ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. Uh, we then get Harlan squashes Guru Raj in one minute. So nothing to say really there. After the match, Gacy asks Harland if he feels better now, and Harland basically shakes his head no. So obviously this destruction is going to have to continue until Harland feels better, I guess. Um, he Harland then turns back, goes to further attack Raj until officials tell him to go, and basically Gacy leads him away. So a straight-up squash match. I don't have much to say. I was neither impressed nor disappointed, because like, what do you get out of a minute here? Harland's big, and he does power moves. There you go. Um... Gacy definitely seems to be kind of going with this cult leader type who's brainwashed this guy, and I wonder if he's going to add more people to sort of his little group here. It's an easy way of introducing young talent, right? And they wouldn't really have to speak because Gacy can speak for them. And NXT seems to want to debut, like, a couple new characters every couple weeks, so it leaves the door open for that, I guess. Hmm. I don't know. LA Knight arrives in his sports car. He downplays Waller's performance in War Games, basically saying like he hit one decent move to finish the match or something. Reminds us of the girl that Waller hit on last week who turned Waller down to go leave for her date with LA Knight. And now he's going to find Grayson Waller because he's big mad at him. Uh, I thought Knight was actually really good here. He isn't my favorite babyface or yours, but with Waller being such a super mega heel... I mean, maybe it's going to help, right, That uh, to make LA Knight seem like a babyface. I don't know. Who knows? Officials are then seen escorting, escorting, sorry, Harlan down a flight of stairs because they got to get him out of the building, I guess, because that's what they do when people put extra attacks on people, except they never do that, except in this case. Mm-hmm. I guess Harlan's a unique. So basically, he grabs one of the security people who I didn't notice in the moment. Apparently, it turned out to be uh, Br- the Brian Kendrick, I think. What? And he throws him down really? the stairs. Yeah, I think that comes up later in my notes. I didn't notice at the time because he just chucks a guy down the stairs. Um, That's what they're using Brian Kendrick for? I think so. I didn't even know. I thought they released him because they're stupid. I'm pretty sure it was him. I think it's coming up later in my notes. Anyways, Cora Jade takes on Dakota Kai. Um, Jade definitely rides skateboards in real life. Nope, just kidding. Because it was really obvious that she can... It reminds me of like... When you and Nate were really, really young and you wanted to try skateboarding and those, those first little pushes where you're not really on balance at all, that's still what Cora Jade looks like, so it made me laugh. Uh, Mandy Rose joins commentary. Cora Jade botches a head scissor attempt early. Commentary spend no time calling the action early on. They're just talking to Mandy Rose, which kind of is takes you out of this match even further. Kaya is then targeting the injured shoulder from War Games of Cora Jade. I told you about this one. She Cora Jade does a missile drop kick, but it looks like she lands so much harder. It looks like she took more impact than Dakota Kai. So I, I don't know what Cora Jade's doing. I think she's really bad in the ring, but maybe I'm alone in that. I don't know. Dakota Kai goes to get her shovel. She brings it to the ring, obviously, because she's an idiot. 
The ref takes the shovel away, and Dakota Kai gets rolled up because that's Cora Jade's storyline right now, is that she's really young and really bad, but keeps rolling up people to get this win streak going. What interesting stuff. Dakota Kai attacks after the match. Raquel Gonzalez has to run in to make the save. So I had to rewind this because I didn't know where they disappeared to. So they brawl into the crowd and I guess leave. So that means the rest of Toxic Attraction can walk to the ring and attack Cora Jade and further target her injured shoulder. So Cora Jade's not good, man, in the ring. And I don't like to be super critical of people, but she's not good. I don't believe her when she's speaking. I don't believe her when she's wrestling. And Dakota Kai, again, had to keep it really simple, I think, not to take Jade out of her depth. So Dakota Kai ends up not looking very good um, compared to what she's capable of for sure. So the result is this wasn't good. Kai loses to a one-armed rookie in like six minutes, right? That's strong booking wow. of a veteran. Uh, poor Dakota. Roll-up winning streak for Jade isn't working at all for me. It's only really making other people look bad. And I don't think it's making Cora Jade look very good. Um and it just feels to me like Dakota Kai and even Gonzalez at this point are a little bit lost, right? Because this show's job is to focus on the young talent and get them experience. So even though Gonzalez isn't a like grizzled veteran, I wouldn't say, compared to everybody else she is. And it's just like, if you have experience on this show, they don't really know what to do with you. You're just there to try and make these young, inexperienced people look good. And it's disappointing consistently disappointing Grayson Waller again he's backstage everyone still hates him so Tiffany Stratton's actually there but we only see her from the back so we still don't get to see her face because that's the part they don't care about right (laughs) and he she says that her daddy said that Grayson Waller is a bad person EO then shows up her daddy said Grayson Waller's a bad person EO shows up and screams at Waller for a couple minutes here in Japanese Waller just smiles and says I think she likes me and walks away we then get uh, quick. We're shown that Dakota Kai and Raquel and Gonzalez are being pulled apart from brawling in the parking lot. There's kendo sticks and trash cans conveniently there. I wonder what this could lead to. A parking lot brawl. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> parking lot's a dangerous place. It is, especially when there's just randomly re- like standard wrestling foreign objects rolling around. <laughs> the- I guess it's been really windy there, like here or something, and they just blew like somebody's garb. Actually fair point because somebody's garbage can has just ended up in our front yard literally it's still there from we had a couple days where like we had crazy wind right so i guess it happens kendo stick i'm still waiting to show up on the front yard but i would it's possible i wouldn't mind a steel chair to be honest but we'll see. <laughs> steel chair yeah so then we get um speaking of match of the year contenders tony d'angelo takes on andre chase in this one yeah so i've, I've noticed that he's now feuding with pete dunn yes he and is that's just the saddest and you know how he knows? Thing. Because this is what grown men do. Tony D'Angelo has Pete Dunne's mouth guard in a case. And he sets it on the ring steps. So this feud, ladies and gentlemen, is about grown men feuding over somebody's stolen mouth guard. And one of them is this an Italian monster. Is, is this written by children, for children? I don't know what's going on. Neither. That makes sense. So Chase has a section of supporters in the crowd for this, which I guess we're told are his students. It's standard stuff. Which, I mean, based on, sorry, the way his character is, I don't know why students would support him. Why are you taking his class? Why are you learning wrestling from a guy who literally never wins and loses in two to four minutes? No, why would you cheer for him when he's just, like, so mean? I don't know. So it's standard stuff. D'Angelo starts out strong. Chase gets some in the middle. D'Angelo wins decisively in four minutes. Neither man did anything new or exciting other than Chase did get suplexed with his sweater over his face at one point, I guess, which might be considered interesting. 
Um, my notes were a match between two cartoon characters, basically, so nothing I wanted to see. D'Angelo, thankfully, gets to speak after the match, just because I need to cringe some more watching my wrestling. He talks about being the head of the class now, get it, because he beat a teacher. That's teacher just, in air quotes. That's just comedy right there. So now he calls out Pete Dunne. You're a teacher like Andre Chase, right? Who does come out onto the ramp. I sure am. Okay. Dunn says Tony does a lot of talking for a geezer with no track record, and then he climbs into the ring. D'Angelo insults him, points out the mouth, mouth guard, tries to sneak attack Dunn, but thankfully Dunn is one step ahead, and he sort of gets at D'Angelo's fingers. D'Angelo has to escape. Dunn stomps the case that his mouth guard is in, smashing it, grabs his mouth guard, and puts it in. Hey, Peter didn't... So, Peter like, didn't again... I can barely listen to Tony D'Angelo speak. It's so over the top. It's so stereotypical. It's such a cartoon character, which is not why I watch wrestling. And full marks to you if that's why you watch wrestling and you enjoy NXT 2.0. That's fine. Um, there's all kinds of different tastes in this world. But this is hot garbage for me. Um, what could be better than two grown men feuding over a mouth guard? Poor Pete Dunne. A lot of my notes are like, poor Dakota Kai. Poor Raquel Gonzalez. Poor Pete Dunn. Poor Tommaso Ciampa. I'm so poor, sad because poor anyone who has any experience and actually knows how to wrestle. Because Pete you're... Dunn's like my last favorite guy left on an NXT. There's and... like there's times where I would say he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. He is right, and he's trapped in this cartoon hellscape at this point. Uh, like I guess he can try to ask for his release, or like yeah. I don't honestly know why they're keeping him because they're not. They don't like people like him, and they and he's not going to get selfishly useful. now because we're covering it. I just want him to go back to NXT UK. Yep. Right. Even, and I just will dominate even take there. that because him Dragonoff could have one hell of a feud and right. and matches. It, right. Especially because he's like that's not even ideal, but like I will literally take anything at this. Hundred percent. Uh, so Braun Breaker and everyone else want Grayson Waller out of their change room. So Waller's like in the change room, and Breaker's the one, of course, because he's the spokesman for everybody. So he talks Locker to Waller. Leader. They, there you go. That's the term. They want him out. And I like it because Waller's like fine with it, right? Like he's like, whatever. Real superstars have their own dressing room anyways, which I thought was a very appropriate response for his character right now. So I like that comeback. He is all over this show only a few seconds at a time, but I'm, I'm kind of here for it. And then this is my note where it was Brian Kendrick. I didn't even notice that Harlan threw down the stairs and medical staff are checking on him. Poor Brian Kendrick. Spe I miss Brian Kendrick. Speaking of, he was you did really, he was like one of the first heels you liked when you were really really little and yeah, were all baby him. faces all the time. It was him, Neville, and the Usos. Right, and then you became like me, where you're like heels are just more interesting because well, WWE just does a better job. With and them their characters are generally more developed and interesting, right? I don't know, uh, and and almost every wrestler prefers doing it, so they probably sometimes have more, more fun. complex. So speaking of match of the year contenders. We get Boa taking on Idris Enofe again in his second. So Boa, second match, sorry. Boa has his fa face paint on, lands some kicks and suplexes. As far as face paint goes, it's not very inspired. It's, it's not. It, that is the proper term, uninspired for sure. So Boa lands a bunch of kicks, as he always does, adds some suplexes this week, wins in three minutes with a Tongan death grip, and then a spinning kick to the head, which looked really great because I think he might have actually kicked this guy in the head. So it looked cool, but I don't think he can replicate that every week because he might have just actually kicked this guy's head. So anyways, formulaic match, bookended by the underdog flurry. Or sorry, you bookend an underdog flurry with domination by the favorite. 
Although Boa did look a little bit better here. There was slightly more than just a whole bunch of kicks. He actually delivered some suplexes and stuff. Yeah. So maybe he's developing, but whatever. Gonzalez is really mad backstage. She wants to finish things with Dakota Kai in a street fight. How did you know, Jackson? Um, uh, You've got a big brain. I'm just... You're, I'm just really good at guessing things. You're the wrestling oracle. <laughs> um, I honestly... Sorry, I need a sip of water here. Talk for a second. You should be sorry. Water, Sipping water? Actually, can I have some water? Sure. Sweet. Uh, so I didn't think Gons was believable here at all. Um, and I do like some of her promos. I thought she's improved a ton, but this wasn't good. I mean, tasty water. <clears throat> it felt like... She was trying really hard to be, like, super seething mad, and she really isn't. It kind of missed for me, to be honest. Then we have Grayson Waller. He's stealing LA Knight's car. I'm just so, say Raquel would be a great addition to AEW anytime, so... Uh, Waller drives away in LA Knight's car, and as he pulls away, it reveals that LA Knight is lying on the ground, because why would you ever be in the parking lot? I would probably just <laughs> I sprint even... from my vehicle to the... I wouldn't even park in the parking lot. I would purposely park... <laughs> Like I would hire a driver to drop me off at the door. Yes, right? I would do that. Yes. <laughs> or I would master teleportation so that I could just yes. teleport. I, I, into I, the... I would develop a supernatural character. Yes, that's what I would do. Exactly. And, wait, so oh, this is Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of match of the year, we then get <laughs> we then we then get jacket time taken on the grizzled young veterans. So obviously, right? Actually, in an ideal world, that would be a good match. So I'm okay? assuming. I like, think that this is a um, a rebuilding match for Grizzled Young Veterans, right? They've been treated like garbage lately, so they can pick up a win and start to build some momentum as they're taking on, like, kind of a mid-card comedy team, right? Right? That's yeah. the expected outcome, right? right? Of course. Nope. So we get a nice suicide dive Russian leg sweep combination on the floor by the Grizzled Young Veterans. Uh, then the Creed Brothers of Diamond Mine come down to ringside. Kushida then is the face in peril for this for a really long time. Jiro gets a hot tag. Kushida eventually, this is one of my frustrations, right? Kushida takes a beating forever, recovers in about 90 seconds, and gets tagged back in so that he and Jiro can double team before he applies the hoverboard lock to Gibson. Um, we get shenanigans by the Grizzled Young Veterans to turn the tide. Uh, Kushida counters their finisher. The Creeds then distract Grizzled Young Veterans and Jacket Time capitalize for the win. So the Grizzled Young Veterans continue their slide down the card. Can't beat Send Jacket Time. Send them back to UK. I, I, I'm desperate for anything at this point. Right. Team Strike is better than this. So this was a standard tag match, but because it involved people who actually know how to wrestle, it seemed it felt kind of fast and competitive relative to the other matches on this brand, right? Um, but Grizzled Young Veterans continue to sink and look silly since the launch of 2.0. So now I assume they're going to wrestle the Creed Brothers, probably lose to the Creed Brothers, because why would veterans ever gain any momentum in this brand? And I don't know why I get frustrated. This is what the brand is. It's not for people that already know how to wrestler, wrestle. Sorry, It's to showcase people that don't know how to wrestle yet, which seems like an interesting business model, but that's beyond me. Bivens then hypes up Roderick Strong as they're walking backstage. They run into Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Trick Williams then finds a Dexter Loomis drawing sitting there, and it upsets him. He drops it on the floor. The camera picks up the drawing on the floor, and they walk away. I don't care. Um, we get medical updates on... Listen to this. Talk about creative booking. Ready? Medical updates on Cora Jade, who re-injured her shoulder. Um, while Knight has multiple injuries, and Brian Kendrick has a possible cervical fracture. So odd to draw attention to the fact 
that you have repeated the same trope three times in about 90 minutes. And also, minutes. why are they why are they reporting on Brian Kendrick's injury? Because he's not even on, like, it's not like he does anything. Amazing creativity on display. We went with the exact same idea for three storylines in one At show. At the exact same time. Massive effort put forth by this crew. Um, we then get the, is it the main event? Yes, it is the main event. Roderick Strong taking on Braun Breaker in a non-title match. So what does that tell you? The, and the Roger fact Strong's winning, baby. Right? The Breaker's almost guaranteed winning this because it's non-title. So Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes are watching from the stands. Breaker dominates early until Roderick Strong lures him to the floor, runs him into the announce table, slams him on it. Roddy gets in some offense here and there with Breaker always just sort of eventually overpowering him. We get a Frankensteiner and a belly-to-belly for a near fall. Repeated running forearms, the thing that Roddy does as his opponents against the ropes, right? And then an angle slam I by like Strong. That. I do too. Uh, superplex followed by a butterfly into a powerbomb by Strong for two, which I thought was a really nice combination. But then Braun Breaker, you ready? The straps go down. So that <gasps> is... Oh, no. It's over. He's become unstoppable. Gorilla Press Power Slam. Breaker wins the main event match over Roderick Strong in about nine minutes. Champa runs down, hits Breaker with the Willow's Bell, stands over Braun Breaker holding up the championship to end the show. Wait, what? Oh, no. Oh. What? Uh, did you say he was holding up the championship? Yeah. Oh, no. Why? Oh, wait, never mind. He jinxed himself. Champa did? Wait. He already owns it. Oh, Champa? Champa hit saying... the Willow's Bell to Breaker and then stands over Breaker. Breaker was holding the Cruiserweight title. No. he. It's Champa holding the NXT title because he's the champion okay, in case good. you forgot, which I almost did, to be honest. I was half listening. Right? Yeah, you are half listening. Braun Breaker That's great sucks. broadcasting. Um... So, I mean, having a champion lose clean in a non-title match never helps. But, I mean, the Cruiserweight title is basically worthless at this point. So, I guess, why not, right? Because, again, Roderick Strong's a veteran that knows how to wrestle. We need to sacrifice him to the young guy who kind of knows how to wrestle. The match itself was actually pretty good. Roderick Strong got in some cool offense before losing, which I was happy to see. He wasn't totally dominated by Breaker. And Breaker is good. Like, for what we're getting on 2.0, I have no issue with Braun Breaker. The final few minutes of this were actually really good. By 2.0 standards, a pretty strong main event. So this show overall, there were things I liked on the show, but it felt way longer than two hours. Um, I liked the opener, the Waller, Waller promo, and the main event. I really liked that Waller, what he's doing, and he was all over this show, but only a few seconds at a time. But it's really building him as kind of a star for this brand, I think. It's working for me, at least. Um, but it's not enough to keep this from being still just a weak show overall. The segments continue to almost entirely be a miss. Just so childish and juvenile, lacking in any sort of creativity. A lot of them for me are barely watchable. I would include Lash Legend, the Lash LaRue. The Briggs and Jensen, Cat and Zero, Carter stuff was awful. The MSK stuff, stuff is like that feels like it's setting us back, you know? It is. The MSK stuff is awful. Um, any D'Angelo involvement in him speaking especially is awful. So just all of these new characters and stories they're trying to create are terrible, terrible television. Uh, so for me, this show worked out to be... I'm debating D-plus or C-minus. Um, I'll go C-minus, I guess, to be nice. There's a few good things wrapped around a lot of really bad things, and I think that was my similar overall thoughts to last week, right? Like... It starts and ends okay, and then the middle, any of the segments especially involving the new talent are pretty much across the board awful. Um, I don't know how much longer this 
honestly, this brand's going to exist because I'm I don't. I'm surprised th- you've hung in this long. I don't think any network is going to want to continue to pay money for this, right? So you deserve a gold medal. I don't know what, like, why as a network I would say yes, I will give you X amount of dollars I feel for like this it would, product. It would stay around. Well, because it's also on the network, right? So it they is. Can just they keep can keep it there. it there, right? And it's losing I'm viewers USA every week. is keeping it though. I they, heard, they already have to carry Raw too. I heard a rumor. Someone mentioned that reruns of law and order are beating this show in ratings <laughs> reruns right so i don't know how much longer they need to uh, keep this on network tv but we'll see uh other things from any other wrestling business did you see any watch anything interesting this week i actually um, watched a lot of stuff i don't think so nothing comes to mind so i checked out nwa power this week uh trevor murdoch is their champion right he cut a really good promo on cardona and mike mike knox who apparently matt cardona in a promo or later in the show he and mike knox are best friends so it's kind of like vic joseph and johnny gargano <laughs> this well-documented like friendship of theirs right? mike but knox anyways. man how the hell did he end up in nwa oh my god so murdoch's doing this whole like take on all comers baby face brawling champion and he's actually really good at it he's very oh god, solid on the he was mic just a tag guy yes oh my god then we got aaron stevens and kratos defeated the dirty sexy boys do you know who that is <laughs> Two I'd former like WWEers. Uh, is it Adonis and someone? No. Uh, who is it? JTG and Dirty Dango. Fandango's there now. <laughs> a decent tag match. Nice. I actually thought. That's so funny. I actually thought they might put the titles on Dango and JTG just because, like, ooh, former WWE guys. So right, but they didn't, right. which is which is good. Um. Oh, sorry, not the titles. I just thought they might. They don't because Kratos and Stevens aren't the champions. I don't think. Um. So Father James Mitchell makes sal renaro your favorite guy or sorry sal renaro i don't know if you know sal renaro he's a small guy veteran pretty interesting wrestler so he has to take a loyalty test because he wants to join this brood of people i guess or person because it's really just judaeus right now but anyways renaro is made to bark like a dog kiss judaeus's boots and then take a choke slam from him and also the drink this guy i don't i don't remember what he looks like but he reminds me of like remember they had like it's the, a big hoss looking the guy Ju- the judas or the judas guy Macias. like um remember in uh impact yeah remember when he like, came him. through the mat yeah whatever and, like that i liked guy. him reminds, he was cool it sounds like that guy um so he had it, is it the same guy no oh. renaro also had to drink romanian blood he had to drink like a glass of viscous red viscous liquid as wwe would say because you can't say blood it's an unmentionable um the hex which is alan sakai and marty bell defeated kira hogan and mickey james with the hex marks the spot finisher um they ah, pinned hogan to retain i thought a, it was a pretty that's good a good name pre- yeah pretty good match um allison k and marty bell work well together actually. i hate their the tag titles though they have no side plates it's just a face play on a strap it is like you, you can't do that. It looks very old school. You need to have side plates. You can't just do that. Billy Corgan cut a long, awkward promo. And basically, I guess the point was he doesn't regret bringing Mike Knox into the promotion. I really had trouble paying attention to I this. would because it's Mike Knox. So then Knox and Cardona cut a promo where Cardona claims Knox is his best friend. Sure. Uh, and this is my new hobby. This is fun stuff that we realized a little while ago. Watch, you just sit and watch Matt Cardona's facial expressions because (laughs) he spoke first and then Knox got a chance to talk and Cardona the whole time is just making the dumbest looking faces. So he's just ridiculous anyways. And then this, I don't know if you know who Mims is. So when I was watching Power a fair amount before, he was kind of like enhancement talent. So I think they've elevated him a little bit. 
but he cuts a really long, emotional, really good promo. Started out kind of shaky, but then got really good. Because I guess the Pope has been taken out by Mike Knox. So it was kind of Mims talking about the Pope being a mentor to him, blah, blah, blah. But I thought it was really good. And so Mims is going to face Knox in the main event open challenge. And he loses to Mike Knox, obviously. Uh, so I don't know. It was a. I'm not going to grade the show because I was kind of only half paying attention and taking just... Basically, I just watch it and then take notes afterwards. So it was okay. MLW 5150 are all over the show, which is... Um, is there a version of LAX? Yeah, it's Conan, Slice Boogie, Danny Rivera, and a couple others that I don't know. So I thought they're... Danny Limelight? <laughs> yeah. Co- Conan was cool. Slice Boogie's promos, because I see him all over the indies. I think he's a lot more gritty, a lot more edge. They, like, swear a lot on MLW, which I don't mind if that's... Like, I find it lame when WWE does it because they're like, look how edgy we are because we're going to throw in a couple swears along the way. But, like, if your whole product is, yeah, we're the adult version and you can curse all you want, then I don't mind it at all. Um, the man that swallowed L.A. Park. <laughs> that's not nice. L.A. Park's really, really chubby and out of La shape. Park. Yes, really big right now. So he beat Homicide. The match was actually okay, but L.A. Park needs a lot of rest along the way at this point. Um and it's funny because commentary go out of their way <laughs> to talk about how L.A. Park has made this amazing transition from a high flyer to, like, one of the most feared brawlers in all of wrestling because he just... Got fat. <laughs> he sure did. Like, look up a recent image of him if you can see right now. Yeah, I think, one point, I think I've seen. At one point, Isn't his, like... Isn't there another La Park, too? It's, like, Lost Parks. His his top was, like, separating from the bottoms, and you can see his his, his belly kind of hanging out. But the match was still pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah, um, I got a good one right here. Then they did this... <laughs> they did this weird... It was a long interview with, like, one of the guys involved in production, and then, like... A, a, a guy came out on the stage and talked about him and they put a banner up to him. So I don't know. I guess he's got a long history with ECW and MLW and whatever. It was just really strange that they're honoring this guy and giving him a ton of time in the middle of a one hour show. Uh, then we get Beaumaier Fight Club, who I don't quite know who they were, but they seemed kind of cool too. They took out Calvin Tankman or Calvin Tankman attacked them and got arrested. And we get a Tankman promo, just audio from jail that he's going to be bailed out and he's coming to take on both of them. I don't know. And then the middleweight title match was the main event. Do you know who the middleweight champion is? Oh, mm, uh, uh, no. Tajiri. Right. So very old and haggard looking yes, Tajiri. Yes, I remember telling you that. I'm, I haven't seen him since like Cruiserweight Classic. Well, so a little after. This was a match streamed from Japan. So taking on Atsuki Ayagi, who I didn't know. He's like 22 or 23. He's only been wrestling for a few years. Um, I don't know, man. It was just one of these dudes who's lives on the top rope, basically, and hits about half of the moves he takes from the top rope. So Tajiri wins in a decent match in the main event. So I don't know. The show was okay. I don't watch it often at all. I just kind of check in, and that's what I was doing here. I, it mostly held my interest. There's a couple choices I didn't understand. 5150 seemed pretty cool to me, and the show was at least watchable in only an hour. So that's what I thought. Uh, I think that's it for me for any other wrestling business. No, you? I have nothing. I think we're going to try and get back to a retro match next week, right? Because we least should have some extra break, time. Because we do have some more time on our hands. Right. Um, this week was a little hard pressed for time, especially Definitely. with the movie last night. So. Right. so, yeah, we'll get back to that. But um, we'll move into our final segment of the week, which is Jack giving us an update from the world of wrestling figures and stuff. And that's what we call Figuring It Out with Jack. <laughs> So the only thing we have this week is um, we got some images for the um, 
uh, what? accessory pack. That AEW accessory pack. That oh, term right, that, is now a swear in our that's house. That's a sin. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's just the second um, accessory pack. It's a little different. Last one was mainly barbed wire themed one. Centered around that. Um, the lights out match between um, Mox and Omega. Right. Uh, this one seems to be a little more standard, but there's a, kind of a couple of references. And the picture on the back is actually, remember the Super Destroyer from All Out? Yes. This is a table. Sure do. It's a picture of that. It looks nice. really nice. Um, cause that lot, the ladders from that match, it's got like, it's like a black ladder with like gold on the sides. So that's pretty cool. And then you also get a table, which is like a two, it's like the table from that Jericho thing I got. Right. Just, it's a uh, brown instead of black. Uh, you get a sledgehammer, same steel chair that came with uh, the pack figure. Um, the ladder I already mentioned. And then a big, uh, barrel. It's like the cracker barrel. That, it is. That Darby Allen, um, dived onto that one time. I remember that. That was still. a cool spot too. Yeah. I was not expecting that. Um, it's like that. a three piece breakaway one. So that's kind of cool. Cause I think that's like. I like that because that's really um, unique. Yeah. So I like that they're including stuff. And I, I also like just getting like the basic stuff like ladders and tables and chairs. You can never have too much weapons. So I think this one, this one's, uh, it's definitely less like, I don't know, like it doesn't stand out as much, but I think it's still pretty nice. Like, yeah. I'll, I, now I know that these will be hitting our stores because I actually already picked up the first one right. a little while back. So I'll definitely get it when it comes out. It's, it's pretty cool. Nice. But, yeah, that's it. That's everything? That's pretty much it. Well, yeah. we got to get out of here and yeah. get ready to head down to your grandfather's house to play some table tennis in the basement. I'm pretty excited to check out this new table. And that's going to bring us to the end yeah, of ping pong. episode 74. If you would like to contact us, we'd love to hear from you. FNSWrestling at gmail.com. FNS underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram. Or leave a comment in YouTube if that's where you're listening. I will reply to you no matter what if you're critical or positive or you just want to give your opinion on some of the recent wrestling you've seen i would love to hear from you i will respond to you thank you to anyone who's taken any time out of the week to listen to us talk about wrestling as we sit in our basement we look forward to seeing you back here for episode oh, 75 on christmas. next saturday That's on true. christmas day so we'll figure out um something but um for you guys it'll still come out on christmas so i mean if you do listen to us on christmas then merry christmas right that's That'd our and cool. we will be look for yeah. our um obviously end of year special show will be coming up our second annual sort of best and worst of the year that is you true. Can look we'll forward to those as well so we look forward to seeing you back here next saturday on christmas day if you have the time mm -hmm. and until then take care have a great holiday, and we'll see you next week.